Hi, I'm Miranda Ray Mayo, also known as Mr. Mayo. I play Stella Kid on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. That young man who was holding the gun, that wasn't serendipity. Guys, it happened. It finally happened. We got the word. The word, it happened. I was, I don't know why. It was very unexpected. I did not see it coming, even though I maybe should have seen it coming, but I didn't see it coming, but it happened. It happened. Um, so yeah, welcome to episode 219 of Meet Us at Molly's. Um, Gina will be joining a little later, but I am joined by one of our very, very special friends, um, Jennifer. Jennifer, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. You were last on what last year? We filled in for me, right? Yeah, in March. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been. Yep. Um, I guess before we get in, I'm really curious. Like, obviously, it's kind of a broad question, but what are your general thoughts on the seasons? Are you enjoying them? Are you not enjoying them? Like, what are you? What have been your like one Chicago feelings lately? Yeah. So I've been loving, um, Chicago fire, uh, really all of them this year. Um, I think the new like cast editions, Samed have been really great. Um, and fire, I mean, I am just like the rest of the fandom and I'm Hawkami trash. So that's no. been great to really like enjoy. Um, and then PD, I just, I love like where they're taking the show and you know what they bring every week. So yeah, yeah really I kind of, I know, obviously you are also Hakami trash, like you just said, and I, I wish this would have been like a Hakami episode so that we could talk yeah. about them a little more. I'm sure it'll come up in conversation because like, duh, yeah. but like, I wish this had been like a Hakami episode because like, I know, yeah. I know you like them just as much as we do. But we got a Bowdoin bottle episode and I'll take that because I love bottle episodes and I love Bowdoin. So yeah, this yeah. was really, really good. And we'll like, so we'll get there, but yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. So we do have a little bit, actually, we have a little bit of news um, because last time we recorded, it was literally almost two weeks ago because we recorded early last week. So, and there's been news since then. Go figure. I feel like whenever we record early is when we always get like the most important and big news yeah and it's like oh shit like really really or you just record and then you get some news yeah that happens to us on shop yeah. talk so yeah it's like really anyway um but we do have like i said a little bit of news so we're gonna start with some episode descriptions so these are the episode descriptions for the episodes airing next week so episodes 19 um so we're gonna start with med 719 and it is called like a phoenix rising from the ashes um it says will and hannah work to get work to save a surrogate's baby charles cares for a former patient of lonnie's who's on a hunger strike ethan and archer help a patient with ties to ethan's late father and dylan and maggie are stumped by a drunk patient who claims to be sober there's a lot going on in that description <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Will and Hannah working together 
that's gonna be yeah i've been like kind of waiting for it since i mean obviously she hannah hasn't been back for that long but i've kind of been waiting for it to happen since like i feel like we've really only had that one scene of them interacting like we really haven't gotten a lot of them interacting so i'll be curious to see how that goes yeah yeah Um, even in that one scene i mean they just shared a look so yeah, and they had like that one brief conversation where she basically yeah. like shut him down. She was like, "Oh," and she's like, "Yeah, no, we're we're not doing this." Um, yeah, but yeah, that'll be really interesting. Um, Ethan and Archer working on a patient that like has ties to Ethan's late father. I'm really interested in that. Obviously, anything yeah. Ethan personal, I'm here for. But also then the Archer of it all and that dynamic. Like, I think that's gonna be really interesting. I wonder if like they'll disagree much like if Archer will be his usual self around Ethan or if he's going to kind of like play Mr. Nice Guy. I don't know. I guess we'll see. And then of course, like Dylan and Maggie have worked together a lot this season and I love that pairing. So here for that. I love that we're getting to see more Maggie like working as a nurse, not just like in charge of everything. Yeah. I mean, just because they've lost April and stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. I've really enjoyed that. Um, and I really enjoyed just when she works with Dylan. Um, I really mm-hmm. like the balance that she brings to him. So yeah. um, that's been good. Um, but do you want to take us through Fire's description? Sure. So Fire 1019 is called Finish What You Started. Um, and Firehouse 51 tackles a fire caused by a dropped jet engine. And one of their own is accused of a theft related to the incident. Kid and Bowden disapprove of Kylie's potential love interest. As soon as I saw this episode description last week, I was like, and I read that last sentence about Kid and Bowden disapproving of Kylie's potential new love interest. I was like, that is just everything I didn't know I needed in my life. Like that is already amazing. Yeah. Like Kid and Bowden are almost like her surrogate, like mom and grandfather or something. Like, I love it. Yeah. I just, and especially like, it's one thing for it to be Stella disapproving of a love interest, but Bowden right. especially, like, yeah. it's just, it's already so good. I already love yeah. it so much. Um, yes. But I do, I think it's interesting that like, of course the promo, cause obviously now we've seen the promos, like the promo was all about this like jet engine. Like it was like, that was yeah. all it focused on. Um, so who's- But I feel like that's even how their promo photos are too. Like they just focus on the case, nothing else, so. Well, and a lot of times, especially with fire, they, of course, they get their best promo photos in the middle of fire calls or when calls right. because duh. But like, sometimes it'll be in a call that's like literally two seconds of the episode. It literally has nothing to do with anything. And it's like, here's 30 promo photos from that one call. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so we've got PD 919 It's called fool's gold. And it says after the murder, murder of a wealthy Chicago man Atwater and the team dig in to uncover the truth, suspecting there's more to the story than meets the eye. This is another promo. Like when it aired last night, I was like, that was a terrible promo. Like, I don't know what to believe it's the promo or the promo description, but like based on the description, it didn't match as well. It didn't match as much to the promo. Cause like from the yeah. promo, I would have no idea it's an Atwater episode, mm-hmm. but it sounds interesting. I mean, and I'm even, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I mean, even from the episode description, like, yeah, it just says Atwater and team, but I'm like, is there any type of Atwater backstory that we're going to get? Like, who knows? 
who knows? I'm just glad we're finally getting another Atwater episode. It's been like seven episodes, something like that. Six or seven. Yeah. I think it was nine yeah. to 12 was the last one. Um, yeah, he's so- had another centric episode before Jay did because Jay's was like 903 and then 918 was Jay's. Was that really the last Jay centric? I guess I guess I forget I so. about that because so much like Jay was in a lot of the first half of the season, obviously because yeah. of the Roy and the Haley and the Voight stuff. So like I just thought Jay was in had more episodes in the first half, but I guess he did. Dang, not like centric episodes. Right, I, the last not centric like, one was the military. Not, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't even, I didn't even think about, I knew it had been a while, but like, I didn't, damn. Okay. So, but yeah, really excited. I don't know. I know next week, obviously, of course, we're getting new episodes, but then there's only four episodes left in the season and then, but there's six weeks before the finale. So I guess we'll have a hiatus somewhere, but anyway, yeah. um, and then, of course, we kind of, I think, all suspected this next piece of news, but it became official since we were last recorded, which is really sad. Um, so I think TV Line had it first, but, you know, then a bunch of other outlets ended up confirming the same thing, that Kristen Hager has left Chicago Med. Um, it is now a permanent one. It apparently says, um, let's see, Hager joined the show in the show's current seventh season, premiere as a physician, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And it says, although Stevie has left the Windy City, the door is open for her re- to return at some point. Her story arc with her mother ended, but we all really liked Kristen and would like and would welcome her character coming back in the future. Executive producers Andy, Andrew Snyder, and Diane Frolov told TV Line in a statement. That's the part I really want to discuss because I think it's interesting. So, obviously, of course, she was. She was a series regular, right? Like mm-hmm. main cast member, like thought she was going to be part of this new chapter of Chicago Med, the whole thing. But this statement makes it seem like, okay, well, we finished the story with her mom and we didn't really know what to do with her. So we just decided to let her go, you know, move on in a different direction. Like we heard the same thing when Colin Donnell left the show and right, like we just kind of ran out of stories and like, it is what it is. But like she was only around for half a season and you already ran out of story ideas for her. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And especially because she was a regular, like it'd be different if she was recurring, but she was a regular. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Go go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I saw someone say that maybe like her pregnancy threw them off. But I mean, even then you could still write that in. I feel like. Well, and even if her pregnancy threw things off, I mean, I get it, right? And if Kristen decided, you know, I guess I heard from some other people that, like, I guess her husband is living in L.A., so they were doing, like, the long-distance thing during all of this. And obviously, of course, then when you add a baby into it, that complicates it. And, like, if if Kristen had decided to leave the show when she found out she was pregnant, that's a whole different thing. But based on this statement, it makes it seem like, it was purely they ran out of a storyline for her and it's like okay but she's been around for half a season like how did you run out of story ideas for her yeah yeah it definitely makes it seem like that and then to bring on hannah which is fine um but yeah to kind of like take that place of will's old love interests and you know like where are we gonna go from here it just kind of felt like like stevie was getting replaced and there was no explanation like whatsoever i've noticed 
like one Chicago does that with their female characters and it's like just a like a horrible thing to do yeah like I mean they kind of said at one point they were like okay well she's gonna go try with her husband okay or try again with her husband in Detroit but like you never really make like just one comment of being like Stevie's doing great in Detroit by the way like that's all you need And, and nobody else would complain after that I mean, Stevie got more of a send-off than, like, Vanessa Rojas did. Oh, but yeah, even, that's a... Even, yeah. like, with Stella's stuff this season, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, well, she's gone, like, we're not really going to bring her up. And it's like, but she is a regular. She is, like, one of the leading ladies on your show. You should be bringing her up. Like, you know, even if it's just a throwaway line of, like, Stella's doing good, or, you know, I heard from Stella today, and she says hi or something. Like, just something like that is enough. Yeah, it's, I don't know, like I said, that when I read that statement that I just was like, that's interesting. (laughs) I don't know. I still don't really know what, like I said, I don't, and I don't know if we'll ever know the real reason. Like I said, I'm sure it's some kind of combination of like the pregnancy and storyline and whatever, but like, I don't know. It just made it seem even more fishy after that. Yeah. I do kind of hope that she comes back, but I also like- would understand if she did it yeah for sure I mean like I really enjoyed Stevie like I thought she was great I was really excited to see where her and Will were potentially gonna go down the line that slow burn I was here for that but like I feel like we barely also got to know her at the same time so like while I'm sad to see her go in the grand scheme of things like in a couple years I'll be like oh yeah Stevie I'm sure like if she never comes back be like yeah Stevie was a good character but like we just didn't get enough yeah we were like deprived of so much and that's why I don't understand like how do you run out of storylines for a character you barely touched when you created such a rich backstory too with like her connection to Will in medical school and like how do you like how did you I don't understand how you ran out of storylines supposedly but yeah I mean they gave her backstory like right off the bat with Dylan's it wasn't like we had to wait like half a season for it right which I was loving that um, I will say that it made me more sad and like made me miss Kristen more when we saw her like on the one Chicago Day official video. I was like, oh, yeah, that was the timing of a lot of things in that. Yeah. Like it was a little I mean, I get it. I know they filmed that stuff really in it, you know, right. way early in advance, because even some of the stuff like we were talking, I know, in a bunch of different group texts about like, of course it was awkward. They put a big emphasis on Violet and Gallo. And it's like, yeah. that is not, especially not in that context, that is not a thing right now. Like, but obviously at the end of last year, last year being 2021, it was definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just like interesting, but yeah, it was kind of sad. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. They had to have filmed it in like October or November because uh, Kristen and Marlene were like, yeah, we just finished filming a big like Christmas, Christmas episode. episode. Yeah. And I think yeah. that was done at like the end of October or beginning of November. So. Yeah. I think November. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah. Um, But then I think parts of it too, because the fire parts, I thought it was interesting because at one point Hanako mentions like how much she's enjoyed working with Jimmy. And I was like, but mm-hmm. she didn't work a ton with Jimmy at the end of 20. So I wonder if that was filmed yeah. in like early 2022, like January. It might have been. I yeah. don't know if that for sure. That's just yeah. me guessing. But yeah, it was, I noticed that too. I was like, oh, I'm sad. I miss Kristen already. But, yeah. um, and then the last little piece of news, um, 
I think we kind of all knew this a little bit, but NBC has officially set all of their like season finale dates and when Chicago's is going to be Wednesday, May 25th. So mark your calendars. Um, And like I said earlier, there's four episodes left, which is kind of crazy to think about that. We only have four episodes left in the season, Um, but we do, but there's six weeks until May 25th. So at some point we've got to have a little hiatus, either a two week hiatus or two one week breaks. I don't yeah. know what it'll be. I guess it, I think filming's going to dictate a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. How much time they need to catch up on episodes because they are not, they're not even, I don't know. I've heard fire, I think is on like 20. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like I've seen or heard that PD is on 20 or 21. I think I PD know. I know maybe that- I know PD was I think a little bit ahead and Med is yeah. I think even a little bit ahead of Fire, but like they're not that far. Like nobody's filmed finales yet or anything. Like no. PD or Fire definitely just recently started twenty, mm-hmm. so and we're getting nineteen next week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I was gonna say I feel like the PD costume girl. Oh, that was like January 31st. She posted like 61 days to go. But I feel like she posted another like countdown and I counted it up on the calendar and it was like they were ending like last week of April. If it was like they weren't filming on weekends. Yeah. And like, I know obviously prior to COVID, they were like, they would finish like mid end of April. And then last year with COVID, it was like mid-May, at least on fire. I can remember it was like two weeks before the finale that they were like still filming the finale. Um, Yeah. So definitely, I think either, I mean, we're obviously getting close to the end of April already, but like end of April, beginning of May, it's, yeah, they're not done yet though. Yeah. I know last year, my friends and I, we went to go watch pd film the finale because it was when ruzek and jay run into the river yes the, i like, remember that I, rem- I remember you texting pictures to that yeah yeah and that was i mean we couldn't see a whole lot but that was like beginning of may i want to say end of april beginning of may the dates are fuzzy to me but yeah that was finale time so yeah. i would assume that they're kind of on the same schedule yeah and like i said i know pd and med are ahead of fire fire is yeah. definitely chugging behind but yeah they'll get there but yeah so in terms I feel of like these, what no go ahead oh I was just gonna say I feel like these seasons have flown by but I also feel like with so many breaks that they've had they've also like taken forever yeah like I feel like I'm like oh how are we only with four episodes left like how do we only have four episodes left but at the same time I'm also like I feel like the seasons have been on for months yeah but yeah no it also I'm also like but they just started yesterday like how do we only have four left like I don't understand yeah crazy um but yeah that's all the news we have um of course obviously since we recorded our stuff early last week there's obviously been a bunch of one Chicago day articles that came out with all kinds of stuff um I know we were posting there was a thread in our patron group with all the links and stuff Lots of fun content, so if you miss it, just definitely find it. I mean, there's a ton. There's just so much content that came out last week. Um, We wouldn't even be able to come close to discussing it all tonight, so. I will say that the fun videos with, like, Nick, Jesse, and Alberto are my favorite things ever. Yeah, those were, and that was really fun to shoot. Um, That was really, really fun. Um, 
yeah, that was really fun. But um, and those and there was even one that came out. I think it was like an Entertainment Weekly one that just came out. Was like yesterday, yesterday that came out? Yeah. Yeah, that was really funny. I thought it was hysterical that Jesse knew none of his lines. Yeah, except for the one when he was like, "Oh, he it was a uh, if you're gonna lie, put some effort into it for me or something." Yeah. When and by like, the end he one. finally realized it was like, "Oh, they're all lines that all three of their characters have said." It's yeah. like it wasn't. It's just like really, really. I, yeah. I love how the first one Nick was like, it's you. And Jesse's like, no, that's not me. Like Nick knows it better than Jesse. <laughs> I very much am Nick always because he's now done trivia with us twice. Nick's one Chicago knowledge is I don't know why it's so surprising to me, but it's very surprising to me. Yeah. Especially because I don't know. I just don't feel like he's one that would like watch the shows. I don't, I don't know, like watch everything else. I don't know, but his one Chicago knowledge always seems to surprise me. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we do have a few patron shout outs. So the first one is Gracie Uakim. Uakim? How do you think? Uakim? If, I butcher, if yeah. I butcher that, Gracie, I'm so sorry. Um, please let us know how to say it correctly. But Gracie, welcome, welcome, welcome to the fam. We are so glad you're here. And the last one we have is Emily Wisner. Emily, also welcome to the fam. Um, make sure you guys join the Facebook group if you have not done so already. Um, Jennifer is also a patron and she knows, she can attest to how fun the Facebook group is, how much of a family our patron community has become. Um, it's something we were talking, it was in a conversation today of just like how special that community has really become. And we're really something Gina and I are really proud of. So. Um, and if you guys would like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Um, you can head to the link in our bio and any of our socials. Um, and yeah, we would love to have you. All right. So without further ado, I say we should move into the episodes. Jennifer, are you ready? Yes, let's go. Okay. So we're going to, of course, start with med and we're going to start with Dylan and Melina and Crockett and that whole situation. Jennifer, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the whole Dylan Molina thing that's been happening? Um, I don't hate it because I feel like Dylan, like we've already gotten so much of his back, backstory. I feel like this is a good kind of addition to that. Um, but I feel like he's definitely kind of catching on that something's not totally like, I don't know just like right with not right with her but like she's not totally being honest um but I also feel like he's too much into his cop like eyes and like background um and it's like you know you don't always have to be on with that so I don't hate it but yeah I I don't hate it like I really have enjoyed seeing Dylan as much as I've like definitely gotten on Dylan the last couple of weeks about he's a doctor now he's not a cop anymore he needs to really handle that line I have really enjoyed seeing him struggle with you know am I a cop am I a doctor am I like how do I I still care about people and how do I balance you know like all those balancing things like I really have enjoyed that I'm not here for this Molina relationship though I've not enjoyed that part of it I think they for me I think the hardest part is and I was telling Gina this last week like I definitely want to see Dylan in a ship at some point. Like, 
me Dylan in a ship that just has like everything I want written all over it. But this, I just don't, there is no chemistry here whatsoever for me personally. I feel like the lines also need to not be so blurred with them. Oh yeah. I feel like he doesn't know when to not step into that cop world with her. And it's like, you're not, you're not a cop anymore. Like focus on what you do on a daily basis and let her, you know, figure out all of her stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, like I said, I just, for it, to me, it definitely seems like their bond is strictly over being cops or in Dylan's case, a former cop. And like, it's, I think it's definitely clear that it's just like some kind of heat of the moment thing. Like, I don't think it's anything really serious, but like, I don't know. I just, they have no chemistry for me. And every time they're, yeah. they're like, like, of course, when he like, cause we're getting ready to start. So Melina slept over he you know she wakes up and she's like getting ready and he's like still half asleep or whatever and I was like normally I'd be like oh an episode opening with like a bedroom scene like morning after like this sign me up like yes but with them I was just like okay like Dylan what'd you do why like I was like really Dylan okay um, but yeah, Melina slept over, but of course she's still like very, she wants to be covert about the whole thing, which like Dylan, it, it doesn't take Dylan. It doesn't take a lot to convince Dylan of that. He's like, yeah, cool, whatever. So, and Gina, I know is like, not hate kind of like you, Jennifer, like she's not hating them. I don't think she's like loving them, but she's not yeah. like hating them either. Um, but so Melina goes to freshen up and her like alarm goes off. So Dylan goes to turn it off. And instead, because of course her phone is in her bag. So he goes to open her bag and finds 50K in cash, just casually in her bag. Um, and of course, Melina's like, oh yeah, it's 1505 funds though. But she is like mad about the whole thing. She's like, why'd you go scooping, you know, snooping in my bag? Yada, yada, yada. Don't you trust me? You know, the whole shebang. But as soon as I saw the 50K in her bag, I was like, this is not going to, the whole Melina storyline is just, it's not going to go well. She's definitely not who she says she is. I mean, I understand her being mad about it, right? Like I would be mad if someone went through my bag too, but the fact that she like jumped on him so quickly about it, it was like, okay, what are you hiding? Right. There's something not totally like, you know, jive in here. Well, and it's not even like he went snooping in her bag just to go snooping in her bag. Her alarm was going off. Like, what is he going to do? Sit there for 20 minutes while she showers and, like, waits for her to turn her alarm off? Like, there was a clear reason that he was going in her bag and it wasn't even to snoop. He just so happened to find a bunch of cash sitting there. Yeah. Also, why is her phone, like, I mean, if the alarm was set, why is it still in her bag? Like, to right. me, I thought about that and I was like, that's kind of weird. That's almost as weird as Jay not answering his phone because it was on silent and he was asleep. Like it just didn't really make any sense. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause you don't, if you're, if you're, you would think if she had set the alarm, she would have it like on the nightstand or something. Yeah. So I didn't think about that. When, but the, yeah. I, when I, when I saw that, it was like, okay, what else is she hiding? Because like there could have been a text on that phone. Yeah. I, my, I mean, my alarms have been ringing with Melina for the last couple of weeks, but this was just like, I was like, okay, Dylan, you got to slow your roll here, buddy. Like she is definitely not who she says she is. I don't think, um, but this week. So of course, then we shift into the hospital and this week we get Dylan and Crockett, which is like dream team. Love these two together. This was, I loved everything about 
them working together. It was amazing. And it was also nice, like, while I haven't, I guess, hated Dr. Blake as much the last couple of weeks, it was really nice to have Jill or Crockett in the ED present, like around everyone else working with someone that's not her. Yeah, it made it feel more like met again. I don't know. I'm I'm indifferent with Dr. Blake, but it was definitely nice to not have her there. I just think she when they're working together, like of course they can have some interesting storylines. I'm still not like her biggest fan, but I've slowly started maybe coming around to her in the last couple weeks. But like because they're doing transplants, they're not really working with anyone else. So it's like you have Crockett and Dr. Blake like way over here and everyone else is way over there. And it's just like you don't get any interaction and it's just like that's not what I want. I want to see Crockett with everyone else. Yeah. Um but anyway, so they get a patient who has been, you know, has bullet wound in the chest. And of course, then they take him in, they start working on him and we get a appearance from Dylan's sister, Zora, which I love that we've seen her pop up a lot this season. Um, If we can't get intelligence working, like popping up on other shows, I will take Zora popping up on other shows. Um, But also like if they want to put her in intelligence too, I would not complain. Right. Even on patrol like with Trudy oh my god that would be amazing right I hadn't even considered that but yeah 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 I just like they keep making all these allusions to like you know Dylan knowing Jay and like Zora obviously in Atwater and that's a whole thing and it's like but just give me more of it like the one Atwater appearance was not enough right although I did really like no go ahead Oh, I was going to say, and even just having like another sibling pairing on one Chicago would be great because like national siblings, they just happen. And then like one Chicago posts about the Hulse brothers. And I was like, that is the only sibling pairing that they have on these shows, tying them together. Yeah. Gina and I were talking about it the other day because Gina made a post of it on our accounts too. And she's like, these are the only current siblings we have. And I was like, yeah, because we used to have, of course, like April and Noah, but like they're not here anymore. So yeah. Um, but what I was going to say was going back to Zora making appearances. I did love, I don't know if you caught it, Lori's little comment in the one Chicago day, um, YouTube video about her and like popping up. And I was like, yes, I was like somebody else advocating for it just as much as the fandom is. I love to see it. Yeah. Love to see it. Um, but yeah, so of course Zora shows up, um, and she basically tells them that, you know, cause they're asking about the case and whatever. And she's like, well, this is kind of a little more easier one because whoever shot the patient, like left the weapon behind and it's a semi-automatic rifle. So it's not like we have to do too much digging at least. So then of course the patient's wife and sister-in-law come in and like the wife is definitely not showing as much emotion. The sister-in-law is like boohooing, you know, the whole nine yards, um, and Dylan and Crockett inform him that like, he's going to need some surgery, but the wife is like, well, he's got a DNR and they're like, well, did you make it a fit? Like, is it in writing? And she's like, no, but we did talk about it. Like, I know this is what he would want. And it's just like, okay. And I meant to ask Gina, but like, I thought a DNR like had to be in writing for it to be like truly binding. That's what I thought too. But 
Gina, no, I think would know a little bit more being a lawyer. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she wouldn't, but like, I thought it had to be, but then also the lawyer guy made something about like, well, mentioned later on about, you know, re- our verbal is just as confirmed as written. But like, I was always under the impression that like writing or bust, but what, what do I know? Yeah. Um, and so the sister-in-law mentions to them, you know, Crockett and Dylan, like things have been rough at home between the wife and the husband, you know, um, he's a chronic gambler. So like just lots of tension going on at home. Um, but then there's a little twist. So it turns out the gun is actually registered to the patient. So of course, Dylan's cop mind starts wandering and he of course is now starting to suspect the wife. Cause of course he is. Dylan can't stay away. Can't stay away from being a cop. He just can't. Um, he also takes this moment to ask Sora about like money for a stage buy. And she's like, yeah, you'd never have 50K on you. Maybe 10K, but definitely not 50. So like Dylan, of course, then his spidey senses are tingling about Melena. Like he clearly doesn't trust Melena at this point. Yeah. But like, how can you be in a relationship with someone that you don't trust? Right. I mean, granted, I know they're not in like an official relationship, but still. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is also one in Chicago. I feel like that happens quite a lot. So. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we could. That's a whole different podcast. That's a whole yeah. different podcast. <laughs> um, and so, of course, then it turns out that like the patient also just so happened to bought a life insurance policy a couple months ago. And the wife has made the beneficiary because like, of course, of course. Um, but Gina was going off in our one of my group texts with her last night about she was just like, you know, because she works in like life insurance and all that, like estate planning and all that stuff. So she knows she was going off. She's like, almost every state has slayer statue. Like if you murder the insured, it won't pay. Like this doesn't make sense. That's not how this happened. She was just going off about it last night. But yeah, apparently fun fact that like if you murder the insured, you st- it doesn't matter. Like life insurance won't pay. So yeah, fun fact. Uh, but of course the patient starts to crash. So Dylan pulls a Will Halstead and ignores the DNR. And more importantly, he ropes Crockett into ignoring the DNR. That's honestly what I was more shocked by. Like Dylan these days, given that he's trying to play doctor and cop at the same time, it didn't really surprise me that he would have like ignored yeah. a DNR, but Crockett ignoring a DNR. I was like, wait, what? And Crockett went along with it. I was like, okay, you have the chance to be the moral compass right now. Like you could easily say no. You have more seniority at Met than Dylan does. Yeah. And like I said, this goes back to like, I thought DNR said to be in writing, but I guess not because, and then like, in what circumstances that are saying, you know, like the hospital assumes decision-making capabilities at this time, but like what, because Dylan thinks that the wife may have killed him. Like Zora doesn't even ever really say that. Like Dylan does. So like, in what situations can the hospital take over and what situations can they not take over? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of gray area around this, but like Dylan just did Dylan and like ignore the DNR. Well, and it was interesting because when they were talking to the wife, like Dylan and Crockett's faces were almost kind of like, are you sure? Like they were really wanting to make sure that she was positive about it. And then they were just like, okay, well, we're just going to go along with it because you said so. And it's like, don't you want to get like paperwork? I don't know. Some things with med this season, I'm like, okay, you guys just make it clear that you really don't know what HIPAA is and what ethics is. And it's concerning at this point. (laughs) 
It's really then, concerning. But then you had this, right? And then we'll get to the whole Hannah, um, Dr. Archer stuff and that ethics committee. Because, like, that way they're, like, they go about everything correctly. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I don't understand yeah. the irony of the two things. It's just like, whoa, okay. Um, But, yeah, and so then we get, of course, a scene with Dylan being confronted by attorney guy whose name I can never remember. And he is pissed. He's like basically you better hope the guy wakes up because if not she could see your ass like the wife could see your ass like this is not a good look this is not how it goes and then it's made even worse because turns out the wife didn't kill him her alibi checked out you know they were at a diner or whatever like and it's like really dylan so like now what it's like now who do you think killed him or shot him um the patient does make it through surgery, though, in the end. But, like, Crockett, while he was in there and doing the surgery, notices a huge bruise on his toe. And then, of course, Zora and Dylan are all like, oh, my God. Well, what if he, like, maybe he could have used the toe to, like, shoot the gun. Maybe this was suicide. Yada, yada, yada. Like, we got to test it for a gunner. So I was like, how did you even get there from a bruise on a toe? Like, I was like, that kind of came out of nowhere, like, from zero to 100. I felt like he was almost a kid just like jumping to conclusions about like what had happened and I was like really you're a grown man I don't know I'm well, the curious thing is too, after is we it, get to the listener thoughts I have a question to ask you so yeah but it, the thing about it for me too is that it wasn't even Zora making like saying statements and then Dylan making judgments based on those statements like Dylan was just making all these judgments because yeah Again, he was trying a little too hard to be cop Dylan and not Dr. Dylan. And I thought he would have learned his lesson last week. And I don't know if he has. Yeah. But anyway, like I said earlier, it turns out the patient actually shot himself, used his big toe to pull the trigger, which like that also requires some sort of flexibility and like precision at the same time. I don't know, like, I know that's kind of supposed to be shocking, but I was also kind of impressed that he was able to like use his big toe to pull a trigger on a rifle and like shoot himself in the chest. I don't know. Something about that was also as disturbing as it was also kind of impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, then Dylan and Crockett, you know, like have this nice moment, of course. And Dylan like thanks Crockett for trusting him. And Crockett's just like, you know, glad I followed your lead. And I was just like, need more of them working together. Just, Give me that pairing forever. Dream team. Scott Marcel 2024. Like I just, I need all of the Dylan and Crockett working together content. I need it. Yeah. Just don't break the rules next time. But I mean, also it's med. So, but also it's med. Yeah. Um, And then the epic, well, this storyline wraps up because Dylan gets in the car with Melina, like after shift or whatever. And she's like, you know, she wants it to work, but he has to be cool with like keeping, you know, being kept in the dark. And it's just, I don't know. And then they end up making out and it's just like such a bizarre scene to me. And it just, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here for the Dylan Molina relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That make out. I was like, okay. It seems like this needs to not happen in the car, but okay. Do you think she's actually police? At first I thought she was just like undercover. Um, I don't know. I, 
I can't get quite quite a good read on her yet. Something I feel like about I just need to see her more. This story, like before, I was like, oh yeah, she's undercover, whatever, yada yada yada. Something about this episode made me think, like maybe she's not actually the police. Oh. I don't know. That's just, I, and I have no idea, of course, but that, I don't know something about it. Like, and then I was thinking about, it, I was like, well, you know, she was kind of sketchy with some of the details earlier on. And when Dylan would ask her about being a cop and maybe it's because she didn't know the answers to those questions. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know, but that was just kind of a vibe based on kind of her sketchiness that maybe she's not even a cop. I don't know. Yeah. But she's definitely, there's something up there. There's something up there. Yeah. And I don't know, Gina put it in my head and now I can't get it out of my head that like, I could also see Milena being a big part of the finale and like her dying and like Dylan feeling attached and then feeling, you know, I don't know, something I just- Like spiraling? Yeah. Which I don't want because I don't want to see Dylan in a spiral emotionally. I'm not ready for that. But I could definitely, like Gina said it, and I was like, oh, fuck. I like, can't get that theory out of my head now. Um, but we did have some listener thoughts. So Megan R. said, Zora Scott was a pleasant surprise. It was so nice seeing her again. And she said, if Severide and Casey are the resident fire cops, does that make Crockett and Dylan the resident doctor cops? They're becoming one of my favorite duos on med. Um. I don't know if I would say that much about Crockett because Crockett was just kind of along for the ride this episode. Yeah. But Dylan, I mean, obviously, 100%. He's been a doctor cop since day one, and it has only become more and more clear that he is still a doctor cop and not just a straight doctor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I will admit, I do like seeing doctor cop Dylan, but I'm also like, you're not on the streets anymore. Like, it's different with Severide because he like is into arson and he's a firefighter. So it makes sense that like he investigates that stuff. And it does kind of make sense that Dylan, you know, like goes extra mile um, and he really cares for his patients. So like, why not keep them safe? But it's also like, you're not wearing the badge anymore. Like you have uh, your medical license and you're in a white coat. Like you can't just go out and fight crime whenever you feel like it when you're off shift. Like for sure. No. For sure. And I think a lot of times the objectives of the of being a doctor and the objectives of being a cop don't always line up. And so mm-hmm. it puts Dylan, you know, these two sides of Dylan, you know, at odds versus like you said, with Severide, it's a little different because arson investigation, Severide is into arson investigation, which is a part of the CFD, which is already what yeah. Severide is doing. Like, it is not like a stretch for him to also do arson investigation and be into right. that because it is part, a division of the fire department. So like, it's not, it's not like Severide is out there solving murders or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Um, he is into arson investigation. So um, yeah, I definitely think that was a good distinction. Um, and then Emma said, Molina seems dodgy. Not sure about her at all. Protect Dylan Scott at all costs. I mean, same. Same. Yeah, I'm here to protect Dylan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and Molina is definitely dodgy AF. I do not trust her at all. There's definitely something shady with her. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, do you think with the way that they've been taking Dylan with these last few episodes that they're kind of going to make him like a Will Halstead 2.0? Yeah. 
meaning as far as like he's not listening to the rules he's like you know pulling different things just like for the benefit of his patient of course but then also just like to say screw command I feel I don't know I'm conflicted because like on the one hand I the thing I loved about Dylan in the early like early on in season seven was that I felt like Dylan was very much hit Dylan and Crockett were like our by the rules people like that was like our go-to who we could trust to be you know do things right HIPAA you know believe in HIPAA all that stuff and now they really leaned into the doctor cop side you know the doctor cop stuff and like I think there is a time and place for it I hope that's not what they make Dylan entirely because I think Dylan is obviously more than just the cop background but like the only reason I'd say I wouldn't have a problem if they continue to really lean into it is a if we get more Zora out of it and b if next year again I understand why this year didn't really happen because of the limiting crossovers but like in the future if Dylan leaning into more of his cop side brought us more members from intelligence over yeah and med that would be the only reason I would want to see more of it but like at some point it's also it's gonna get tiring like I'm already kind of over it right now. Like, and I know we'll probably get it for the rest of the season, which is fine. And I can accept that, but I'm already kind of like, okay, we can wrap this Malena stuff up now. Like I'm not into it. Well, even him like sleeping with Malena, I'm like, okay, at one point you were working with her and now like that case has, I I don't know, wrapped up or it just kind of like went off and isn't really mentioned. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of another will. And I'm like, I don't want that for Dylan because we all loved him at the beginning. Like he was such a good doctor. He was good with kids. Like we loved him. And now I'm just kind of like, are we like making Dylan kind of like a will 2.0? I hadn't really really thought about that comparison. So I, I'm really interested that you brought that up. I, the thing that I kind of like you said, we obviously, I still love Dylan, of course, but like, it was definitely different feelings for Dylan in the beginning. And like, I feel like they also kind of just abandoned the whole Carmen Terrell's like that whole stuff for this Malena plot line. But I'm just like, but I wanted the Carmen stuff, like the unrequired, you know, like the first love that you lost and that like he was so clearly to me at least like so in love with her still and and then like obviously of course I think that had a lot to do with like why he became a cop and then like why did he switch from being a cop to a doctor like we still there's so much more to him that we don't know if they're gonna choose to lean into all of that backstory but like this Malena stuff is just not it for me it's it's not yeah Um, but unfortunately I have a feeling she's gonna be around for the last four so (laughs) fun times ahead yeah all right speaking of things that i am excited though um will we've got will and ethan which ethan is finally back like for real for real he's not just back for one episode he is back for real for real which is very exciting although i feel like his return at least on the internet was like very understated yeah like I feel like I mean Andy and Diane had said in an interview a while ago that it was going to be episode 18 so like obviously when it came in it's time for episode 18 it's like oh this is exciting but like I feel like a main character coming back to the show for good should have been a bigger deal but it wasn't (laughs) it even didn't it didn't even seem like a big deal on the episode 
Like they were just like, oh, welcome back. Okay, like here you are jumping into this case with Will to begin with. I was just like, oh, okay. So this is just how Ethan's like welcomed back. I did. I I mean, I did. It was really nice to see him back and to know that he's back for good and not back for just like the one episode teases. Like it was nice to see him for those two episodes, but it just it wasn't enough. Yeah, it wasn't enough um but yeah ethan is back and i love that he like he just came back and maggie's like giving him crap she's like you're back early like we we're gonna have a banner and this whole thing and he's like yeah but that's not what i wanted he's like that's why i did this like it's just the banner is really cute um but then of course arthur has to butt in and he's like you know i'm you know glad to see you back whatever he's but he's like i'd be more than happy to stay on as chief for another month like while you adjust and it's just like <sighs> How convenient. Of course, Archer would be more than happy to help out and be chief. Again. Meanwhile, we are not. Do not yeah, no, that's not, not what we want. That is not what we no. want. Ethan can gladly come back as chief. Gladly come back. Um, but like we said earlier, so Will and Ethan are working together and they have this patient who is undocumented. And she is like, from the minute she is wheeled into the ED, she like doesn't want to be there. Um, she's like, you know, I can't say, I can't say, I can't say, but Maggie assures her, you know, they'll use a fake name. They'll put her in as anonymous in the system. You know, she doesn't like the hospital is a safe place. Like she doesn't have to worry. Um, which I love just seeing, cause like, you know, I don't know, like between, you know, Dylan and Crockett working together. And I don't know this moment, like I just felt very safe this episode. It was just really a nice moment. Um, but so the, her, this patient, her name is Leah. Um, she gets some tests that come back and Ethan originally wanted to wait and kind of just let her sit in the ED and like observe. But Will is like, no, I think we need to go ahead and like send her up to Angio because like she's getting anxious to get out of there. So like, you know, the faster we can speed things along, like I think it'll be better just for everyone. And Ethan's like, okay, yeah, I agree. So then we get Dr. Shentu, who we haven't seen, I think, in a couple weeks he definitely wasn't in last week's episode it's been a couple weeks since we've seen him um but he asked to see will so will goes up to see him and apparently authorities are looking for a woman who fits leah's exact description and so will of course into dr shinty's like i see you were working on a patient who's anonymous like is she someone you know would this would your patient fit this description and will's like eh, no like that's not it at all when of course it's obviously very clearly who they're looking for um but then Shintu goes on to tell Will that apparently the reason they're looking for this woman is because she is suspected of international ki- kidnapping, which is, of course, like, why it's such a big deal. And it's like, really? Of course. Of course, she's not just some undocumented patient. Like, of course, there is something else. Um, but Gina texted me lot when this was happening. She's like, did someone say Scott Forrester? Like, international? Can't we loop in FBI international? And it's like, I get it. We're not doing those crime and crossovers yet, but this would have been the time. This would have been the time. Have you watched FBI International yet, um, Jennifer? Uh, no, the only FBI episode that I've seen is the one with Tracy in it. Yeah, so. I haven't seen much like FBI original, but I, well, I haven't watched this week's FBI International, but I've been watching that one. Um, and it's pretty good. I mean, it's still, you know, a very much a case heavy show, but it's pretty good but like as soon as they heard, said something about like international whatever and i was like oh man that was like a missed crossover opportunity um but anyway so but i was i will say though the 
first time I saw Dr. Shintu, like in the scene, I was like, okay, it's been a couple of weeks. We haven't seen Dr. Shintu. I just want my Dr. Shintu and Vanessa update. I just want to know, is that still a thing? Are we like, that's really what I care about with Dr. Shintu. I'm like, give me Dr. Shintu and Vanessa. Like, I don't need this, like him being, you know, coming after Will or yada, yada, yada. Like, give me Shintu and Vanessa. That's what I care about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so turns out it is all true. She did kidnap her kid because apparently she has an abusive husband and she starts telling the story about, you know, just what she's been through with him. And like the, she tells the story about the balcony, like her son, like she's threatening to leave. And then her husband like holds their son over the balcony until she agrees to stay. And it's just like really terrifying and hard to listen to. Um, and she like begs them to let her go, but Will and Maggie, like really, they're not sure what to do. And so they do some research. They kind of start discussing some options and they have this conversation. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Leah wants to leave AMA. I think we have to let her, Max. It's not safe for her to stay here. Cancel Angio and I'll show her how to care for her injuries on the road. She may not have an issue after she leaves here. We don't even know if she's actually bleeding, but if she stays... Listen, I really want to help Leah. But what are we supposed to do, discharge her without notifying Randall? Without a court order, we are under no obligation to give her up. All right. I'll call upstairs. Hey, Max, I don't think we should read Ethan in on any of this. You know how I can be a stickler for following the rules. Yeah, I'm with you. I did laugh, though. Like, I love Ethan so much, but I did laugh that it's immediately Will's first reaction was like, eh, I don't know if we should whoop Ethan in on this. He's kind of a stickler for the rules. And I was just like, really? He's been back for like two seconds and we're already like leaving him out of the conversation regarding his patients. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's just, of course, like Will would leave Ethan out of the conversation. Just, of course. But yeah, so Maggie and Will have decided to, like, leave Ethan out for now. Um, and then, of course, all of a sudden, um, Leah's blood pressure drops and they start working on or whatever. And Ethan comes by and Will makes the comment about, like, oh, well, you know, we need to get the procedure back on the books. And Ethan's all like, well, who canceled the procedure? And Will and Maggie just kind of look at each other and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, well, ugh, this is awkward. And then, of course, like, Dr. Shintu shows up. And so, of course, like things are going great. And Dr. Shintu makes a comment about it. he's like, you know, the last thing we need right now is another FBI raid, yada, yada, yada. He figured out that like Will lied, of course. And it's just like another FBI raid because we've not had one this season. We've already, you know, this would be the second one this season. It's just like med might be a mess of a hospital, but it's our mess of a hospital and we love it. Well, and Will's bouts with the FBI at this point are just comical. It's like, okay, so when's the next FBI raid with Will involved? Like, honestly. Because this makes what, like three, right? Yeah. Three? I mean, I feel like at this point, Dick Wolf should just create an FBI, like, Chicago spinoff. (laughs) Like, intelligence a lot. With Will Halstead as the star. With Will Halstead moving over from doctor to FBI agent. It would just make it all easier at this point. I feel like that would be hysterical. Oh my God. Um, 
but yeah, Shinto ends up benching Will, which like, of course, because he's Will. So Will goes to ask Maggie for an update. And like, of course, as this is happening, Shinto and two feds head to Leah's room. And Ethan starts yelling at a nurse about like, you let her escape. How could you let her escape? Like, I don't know where, you know, where'd she go? Yada, yada, yada. Turns out Ethan actually did help her escape. He, that was all a plan. He, his friend who's an immigration attorney took Leah and is going to take her case pro bono and see, you know, if he can't help her. And Will's like, well, you know, normally you're pretty much like a stickler for the rules. Like what changed? And Ethan's just like, you know, a lot has changed for me in the past few months. Like we can just kind of leave it at that for now. Um, And yeah, that's kind of how this storyline ends. Um, Megan R said, it's so good to see Ethan again, but I'll, I'll admit, but at the same time, I've gotten so used to not seeing him around all the time that it's going to take me a little bit to notice that he's actually there. I've missed Ethan a lot. I really enjoyed Ethan in season four and seven now, six. I was trying to think like, like what was last season? Six. Um, and so I really missed him. I mean, of course, like once you get used to not having someone around for basically 16 episodes, like it does take a little adjusting, but I'm really glad he's back. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like what they do with him in the, next, in the last couple episodes of the season. Um. So Heather B said the number of times Will made me face palm during this episode is frankly astonishing. And I mean, I literally can't, I lose track at this point of like how many times Will makes me face palm. Oh, same. Like, I feel like last night I was just one constant face palm. Yeah. I always like say Will is an idiot, but he's my lovable idiot. And last night was no different. I was just like, dude, seriously. Yeah. I also love you. I'm not even like, I'm definitely not on the same level as Gina in terms of being like a Will Halstead Stan, but like, I can obviously tell, of course, that like his heart is in the right place. Like he cares. Like that's why he does a lot of the stupid things that he does. But I was just like, it just become, you know, the running joke. It's like, really, Will? Really? Like, this is what really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Geek is Wait on Twitter said, was Ethan hinting that he may be leaving med permanently? And then talking, I think in context of this last quote, you know, where he says a lot has changed for me in the past few months. Like maybe we can leave it at now. I didn't take it as that, but now that I've seen that comment, I can like kind of see why somebody may have taken it like that. Jennifer, I'm curious, like if you would have, if you took it like that at all. So I thought that last night because I was like, it just kind of seems like maybe he's outgrown med or something. I don't know. I was just kind of like, okay, so they haven't had him on for a while. Obviously that's because of other filming. Um, But I don't know. I just felt like they were kind of hinting that like he might like finish out this season and then that's it, which would be really sad because we would be stuck with Archer then. But I mean... (laughs) I mean, unfortunately, I think we're stuck with Archer either way now that they've announced him being back next year. But I, yeah, yeah, I definitely think for sure, I think if anyone is more likely to leave at the end of the season, it's definitely going to be Brian. Um, I didn't necessarily see it in that scene in that particular moment. But now that someone has made the comment, I can kind of see why someone would have taken it like that. Because of course, Ethan's been through a lot, even though he's only been around for two episodes, like Ethan's been a lot through a lot in the last few months and I can definitely 
see why that's changed, you know, would have changed him and like why he would maybe want different things in life now than he wanted back then. And that's why I think this storyline too is a good illustration because like even Will said, up until this point, Ethan's really been all about the rules, like the rules of the rules, like it is what it is. And if you don't follow the rules, then you get in trouble. And that's always been Ethan. But this really shows that Ethan's kind of come around to like, okay, well, the rules are still the rules, but like maybe when they're good for a good reason, it might be worth bending them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that really illustrates that like Ethan definitely has changed. And I like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if we get a deadline article announcing Brian T leaving. I would really hate it because I really, like I said, Ethan in season six, I, I really enjoyed Ethan last year and I really just like Ethan as a character and I would hate to see him go, but I could definitely see Brian T potentially leaving. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it for that storyline. And then we move into the last storyline of the Met episode, which is Goodwin and her daughter, Tara, um, which I was really glad to see. We actually got a Tara story or like see to meet Tara. I thought it was kind of going to happen, of course, because they keep dropping hints about Goodwin becoming a grandma. Like, of course, we're going to yeah. meet the daughter at some point. Like it was going to happen. Um, and it didn't end badly. No, surprisingly, surprisingly, I really thought they were going to maybe probably make her lose this baby. And I was really glad to see that they didn't have her lose the baby because that would have been sad. Although I do hope we get to see her have the baby because or at least see Goodwin like interact with her. I need to see Grandma Goodwin. I need to see that. I need to see it. Yeah. Um, but so we start out and Tara and Goodwin and Dr. Charles are having a little like coffee chat, whatever. Um, first of all, I love, I don't know if you're familiar, that familiar with Nicolette Robinson, but I love her. And I was so glad that she was the one that was cast as Tara. Cause I just adore her. Um, I think she's great. Um, so I love seeing that. And I also love like Dr. Charles asking for consent before touching the uh-huh. belly. Love to see that um and not enough people do it but love to see it um, i loved all the dr charles goodwin and tara moments that we have like the three of them together oh my god love it's them. really we've really they really put an emphasis on dr charles and goodwin this season like i feel like we've gotten way more of them than we have in any of the past six seasons combined and it really yeah. just is as it, we see later on in the storyline it they're really just the best bff relationship it really is yeah um but yeah love to see dr charles asking for consent before touching a woman's belly as everyone should do um but tara you know dr charles leaves and tara and you know goodwin are talking and you know she is really set on doing this kind of the unconventional way like she's a single woman she uses sperm donor she's gonna raise the baby by herself and she is insisting on having a home birth like she is a woman who knows what she wants and she is gonna stick up for it even if her mom good one you know of course like says things differently and i loved seeing that yeah same um so of course like she goes to get up like stand up from the chair and good one realizes she's bleeding <laughs> which is just like oh geez here I, at first i was like oh geez here we go again like yeah. really and of course it's like a white dress so blood on the white dress and then you get triggered from the whole natalie with the blood on the dress and that you know with the wedding and it's just like are we really doing this again, Ned? Of course, very different circumstances, but like, really? 
Yeah. Forever going to be triggered with like blood on white dresses. Anyway. So Tara has a fibroid, uh, but didn't tell Goodwin because of course she doesn't want Goodwin to worry. And especially because Goodwin had one, you know, back when she was pregnant with Tara. So um, it's kind of a triggering thing for her. So Tara didn't want her to know. And it's just like, of course, the uterus is always secretly out to kill us because of course we're women and they, we can't just, you know, our health just can't be normal. Um, so Hannah and Dr. Archer are treating Tara, which is just like, oh man, Hannah and Dr. Archer working together. I mean, they've already had, Hannah's been around officially for like one episode, one episode. Yeah. And like it's already super tension filled. And so like for them to be working together now in the same, on the same patient, it's just like, Oh, be, Oh geez. Here we go. And on a pregnant patient. No less. Yeah. And Goodwin's daughter. When I saw the pairing, I was like, just buckle up now. Because like disaster waiting to happen. A roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. So of course they have a difference of opinions because of course they do. Um, so Hannah wants to do a myomectomy and Archer's like, no, I think we should wait. But of course, like there's a big risk of bleeding that comes with doing a myomectomy. But like Hannah's like, well, at least, you know, okay, we have a difference of opinion, but like Tara should know her options and Tara should be the one to decide. So of course they present her with the options and Tara knows exactly what she wants. Uh, Why don't you give us some time to talk it over? No, um, no, that's not necessary. I want to do the surgery. What? You had a myomectomy yourself, Ma. Not while I was pregnant. If you were to start bleeding during the operation and they couldn't stop it, they'd have to remove your uterus. I understand that. Look, I know you're worried about the baby, but you cannot jeopardize your own health. Please don't tell me what I can and can't do. I understand the risks and I want to proceed with the surgery. I'm sorry, Mom, but either support my decision or just go. And I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, like we just, we stand, like I love, I mean, and that's the thing I love about Tara and the thing that I love about Hannah, which we'll get to in a little, in a second, but like, I love that they're just, they know what they want. They know what they believe in. And like, they're going to stand up for like, this is, you know, what's right. Essentially. Like, you know, this is what we want. That's what I want. Like it is what it is. But of course, like Goodwin is not happy that Tara has chosen the surgery route. So of course, Goodwin is like freaking out and Dr. Charles goes to find her and see if there's like any news regarding Tara. And she's like, you know, yeah, like the surgery just started. I should have an update in an hour. And like Dr. Charles is just like, or she says something like, oh yeah, I'll let you know, whatever. And Dr. Charles is like, you let me know, like, I'm not going anywhere. And it's just like the best friends forever. I love them best friend duo like I think they might even outweigh like Ruswater and Savacy at this point they're up there I yeah I we did bro tps at one point but like yeah. I feel like I need to re-rank my one Chicago bro tps and definitely move Dr. Charles and Goodwin a lot higher on the list than I know they are yeah it's just it's so good it's so good but so, of course, they're in surgery, and Archer and Hannah find a second fibroid. Because, of course, we get, just when we think things are going okay, of course they're not going okay. This is one Chicago, yeah. after all. Archer, of course, is like, I want to close her up. And Hannah's like, no, I think we should keep going, yada, yada, yada. 
And Archer's like strategy in terms of trying to like win an argument. He's just like, okay, well, you're going to do this and I'm going to leave. And it, when I come back, it better be done my way. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, who are you? Like, who are you, dude? Really? And not only that, but also just when he was like, well, let's just stitch her up after they found the second fibroid. It's like, you already know that the one is causing issues. Take out the second one. Yeah, I don't like, understand. Yeah, it's, I like, don't it's understand. not the surgery that she agreed to, but even then, like, you're doing it to help her. It just didn't make any sense. No, it really didn't. So... They go out in the hall and they find Goodwin and Archer's like, you know, well, it's your decision. And it, of course, goes as great as one would expect. Now, Ms. Goodwin, you are Tara's surrogate, right? It's your call. I recommend we close. And I was strongly urged against it. I've seen worse cases in my training, and if we don't remove those fibroids, I fear Tara will become septic. Which is why we'd continue her on antibiotics. She's already under and responding well to the anesthesia. We've made the incision. Both Tara and her baby are going to be so much better off if we just proceed. It's too risky. Close her up. Very well. I'm sorry, but no. I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable just abandoning my patient's wishes. Excuse me, this is my when daughter. When I see a clear path forward, I'm requesting an emergency ethics committee. First of all, I do love the fact that Hannah, again, Hannah knows what her patients need. Hannah knows what her patients want and she sticks up for them. And I love it. Even if this meant going against your boss, like I love the fact that she just laid it all out there to Goodwin and it's like if, even if I were to get fired like I know what I you know I did what I thought was right well and it's not like she's been there like been back there for a month like this is what her second shift presumably like yeah I'd say second really week just at, yeah I'd say second yeah. week at the most um, yeah yeah and it's definitely it's a different side to Hannah than what we saw the first time we were introduced to her I keep meaning to say, like, I mean to go back and, like, watch those first episodes, but I definitely didn't like Hannah, or, you know, didn't really care for Hannah back then, but I am loving this version of Hannah that we've got in these first couple episodes that she's been back. I've really enjoyed seeing her, you know, be the doctor that I wish some of the other doctors at med would be. Um, yeah. And also, I just love that Hannah's like, well, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm going to call in the ethics committee. Like... Uh, if you're not going to do what's right, I'll think that's what the ethics committee job is, which like, you know, it's serious when you call in the ethics committee, like, you know, thing for Ned, it's serious. Yeah. And of course they rule in Hannah's favor and Dr. Goodwin or Goodwin is pissed. And Dr. Charles trying to combine things here. Um, Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, listen, I know you're upset, but like, remember why you hired Hannah back, like have confidence in her. Like you hired her back for a reason. Like she can handle this. Right. And she does. Hannah saves the day, like in your face, Archer, like suck it. Like, you know, but Hannah was right. And I had no, I mean, I'm just glad, like we said earlier that it didn't end. I had not that I had doubts about Hannah not being able to save the day. I was just glad that something didn't go wrong that they then couldn't stop from happening and then we lose tara and the baby i'm glad that like we got both we handled was right and we got to keep tara and the baby healthy and happy like i'm glad we got both 
Yeah. And Goodwin didn't get hurt in the process. So yeah. Glad everyone's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Goodwin and Tara have this like very sweet mother daughter moment. You know, Goodwin just says, you know, like I'm so in all of your fearlessness, Tara. Um, and you know, it's just like a really sweet moment. I mean, we of course obviously had met Goodwin's son, whose name I am blanking on. I Michael. Yes. Um, but it's really nice to see this other side of her with her daughter. Um and see this bond i just i really enjoyed seeing that this episode um also we definitely i don't know if you saw our little instagram post that gina made about like this inspirational sharing goodwin quotes but we definitely have to add like if you made it easy you wouldn't be a good win that has to be added to the next round yeah has so when i first heard that line i thought she said good one for a minute and I was like oh wait no it's Goodwin like I was like oh well I mean it could pass off as either like you know it's fine yeah um so then we see Hannah finally puts Archer in his place like they go back to the doctor's lounge Hannah finally puts Archer in his place the whole time I was like yes Hannah you go Hannah like that I finally somebody putting Archer in his I literally just needed someone to do that for like the last two years like just yeah. needed someone to do that so badly well and as much as like he's annoying and the worst like it was a lot worse when he was like undermining her and her skills and like cap- capabilities i was like okay not only are you just like an ass to everyone but now you're like telling this woman who just came back to med like got her life back together and now you're being like oh no sorry like you can't do that and you know no this is a bad idea like she knows her stuff like let her do her thing it was just it was annoying well and the whole thing I've never really understood about like of course Arch Archer knew of course that you know she'd been a drug addict all that stuff right like I'm sure he knew like her background on paper but he was not at med when she was first around so like he can't have anything personal against her like I don't understand why she rubs him the wrong way right so much like she's done nothing like, really wrong to him yeah i feel like anyone who goes against him um and stands up to him just does him wrong and like he acts like a five-year-old child who doesn't get his way when you know someone stands up to him and says no we're not doing it that way that's why i was really interested to see him and ethan like working together and i guess that'll be next week like just because i want to see how ethan is with him yeah because of course obviously last year that was not great things didn't go so well between archer and ethan and then but now archer at least with ethan it kind of seems like that relationship is maybe repaired a little bit because archer at one point was feeling guilty that ethan got shot because of him um but yeah but then basically so hannah leaves after she like puts archer in his place and like archer kind of just like sits in his feelings for a second and then all of a sudden like takes out a phone of him or a photo of him and his son from his wallet and so like it kind of brings up the question of like obviously he's alluded to his son before but like i wonder if the reason he is so bothered by hannah is because maybe his son is or was an addict or and that obviously is triggering memories of hannah being around is triggering memories of his son maybe yeah i don't know it's interesting because we've had hints of his backstory before right like a little bit of the ptsc like 
we had that one scene where like you put on the glasses and like saw all the spiders like we've had hints of it but we've never gotten it to where like it could possibly be a redeeming story arc for him but like they can like they never give it to us so it's just like he's a continuous bad guy and so it would be interesting to know like more about the son and if he is or was an addict or like what what is Archer's story like it was interesting that we got so much of Dylan and Stevie's backstories but none of Archer like they're yeah. keeping him in the dark one especially like after last year right it was like okay well season seven maybe is going to be the season they try to redeem Archer or whatever but it's been 18 episodes and we haven't really had any real there was like maybe one scene of him with him and dr charles on the roof that i was like okay i didn't hate yeah. archer in this moment but like yeah i'm definitely I, as much as i don't like archer and i think he's a pompous arrogant asshole i do i am really intrigued by this son storyline and i'm really curious to see where it goes like uh, like i said is the son or was the son an addict like is the sun alive still like will the sun pop back up before the end of the season if he is still alive will archer try to make contact and you know i don't know there's just a lot there that i hope they really unpack in these last four episodes um because like i said i don't know at this point if archer can ever really be redeemed maybe he's just someone i hate a little bit less um yeah like if especially if he continues just to be a pompous asshole in every case he works with someone on like I don't know if I'll ever like him but like I don't know I'm definitely intrigued by the storyline and I'll be curious to see what they like which route they go with it yeah even like you said like you don't know if he'll ever be able to be redeemed I mean even in that one scene where it was him and Dr. Charles like on the roof it was like okay yeah he had that redeemable moment like for a minute and then it was like like the next scene that he was in it was like oh no we hate him again like it just I don't know it was like make up your mind are we supposed to like him or not and are we gonna learn more about him or not because I want to know at this point yeah I would really like to know because obviously of course and we've kind of touched on it here you know it's but more last season than this season but like of course he and Ethan share the share like the reason they know each other is because of the service right um yeah and they've, again, kind of like you said, they've touched on Archer's PTSD a little bit, but I love good, like, military storylines, of course. And I just, I don't know, I would love for them to lean into that, too. But I I don't know. I don't know if they will or not um, at this yeah. point. Hopefully, um, I mean, if he's made a regular in season eight, hopefully they will. But I also highly doubt it because it is one Chicago, so... Yeah, of course. And I'm sure they'll go somewhere else with it. But like I said, I am curious with the sun. Like, will the sun pop back up? Like, I I don't know. We'll see. We'll just have to see, I guess. Um, but then the last episode, this is the storyline. It wraps up with Goodwin thanking Hannah in her office and like shaking her hand and, you know, just reassuring her. Like, you know, I knew I brought you here for a good reason. You know, yada, all the, you know, just all the warm, fuzzy feelings and, um, yeah, but that ends up this storyline. Like I said, I've really even been enjoying Hannah. I didn't think I was going to like the fact that Hannah came back. I really didn't. I was not excited. But I, especially after this episode, like she's kind of won me over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I was indifferent to her at first and I still kind of am. But I'm also like, you stood up to Archer and that's a big thing. So you've got to win in my book. Well, not even did she only stand up to Archer. She stood up to Goodwin. Like, she literally put her whole job on the line. 
just to make sure that her patient got what she thought her patient wanted. And I can respect that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did have one listener thought on this. Um, Megan R said out of all the people that have stood up to Archer, Hannah has to be my favorite. She doesn't take any of his crap and I love it. And yeah, like I said, I having to agree, I wouldn't say my favorite. I mean, Hannah's not on my favorite characters list yet, but I did, I have really enjoyed her coming back and I didn't think I was going to. Yeah. I also think it helps that they really haven't played into the will and Hannah of it all, because that was just toxic and messy and not good when she was around the first time. So I think it helps that they have put some distance between them these first couple of episodes, but I think it makes me even more curious to see, okay, well next week they're working together. So like, I hope they don't fall back into patterns, but like, I'm not holding my breath either. Well, and it's a good thing that they haven't dove back into the Will and Hannah stuff because when Stevie was like, when it was kind of close to her leaving, it was making it seem like her and Will were going to possibly be a thing. So like if they were to dive right back into the Will and Hannah of it all, it would have been like, well, what are you doing? Like make up your mind here. Um, Yeah. But I honestly, I I feel like that would be such a, that would be such a Will thing. Like Will's life is just so messy as it is. Like for him to go from like Stevie to Hannah to somebody else like I'm just like that again just will things like he's like he's the biggest player of the ED like at first I thought it was Crockett going from like April to Natalie to, now to Dr. Blake I'm like no it's Will for but sure it's not even the thing about Will is though it's not even like Will's trying to be a player like he just yeah he just goes from girl to girl to girl to like yeah he's not even trying to do that he just is <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just such a, again, it's just, for Will, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. It does. Um, but yeah, that's about it for Med. Jennifer, do you have any other thoughts on Med? I mean, it was a good episode. I did miss seeing Vanessa. Yeah, we you know, really didn't get it. But... Yeah. Like I said, I'm really sad that we didn't get, like, we get Shintu back for the first time in a couple weeks, and, like, we get no Shintu and Vanessa update. Like, come on now. Come on now. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it was definitely a good episode. Um, Now that we kind of are, you know, close to the finales, you can kind of start to see the storylines ramping up toward leading up to those. So, like, I'll be curious to see how some of these continue to play out. Um, For sure. But, yeah. Okay, so let's move into fire. Jennifer, what were your thoughts on fire just kind of as a whole? Because obviously it's a very it's a bottle episode, right? Like it's right. pretty much you got Bowden and then a little bit of like Violet Gala, Ritter, Emma, a little, you know, kind of all yeah. smushed together. But like it's mainly a Bowden episode. And so I'm curious, like, what were your thoughts on it? So one, I love bottle episode. Don't yeah. know why. I just do. Um, I think that's kind of why I like PD because they all seem like little mini bottle episodes. Um, but anyway, I loved fire because of that and call me crazy. And I don't know why I like this, but I love a good hostage episode. I really don't know why. <laughs> yeah, like, no, for sure. Yeah. Hostage episodes are really fun. I do also really like a good bottle episode. I think for sure. I saw a lot of people commenting. I know some people said like they're kind of bored with I saw it on Twitter a little bit, like that people were bored by last night's episode or yada, yada, yada. Bottle episodes definitely have a very different pace, especially in the 
fire because fire is really the only yeah. one that I feel like has really truly done bottle episodes. Yeah. Um, like you said, PD could arguably be every week's a bottle episode, but it's not right. intended to be a bottle episode as by like definition. Um, but I think fires bottle episodes definitely have a different pacing to them. And so like, mm-hmm. I can see why for some people it was maybe boring, but I loved it. I mean, especially yeah. like this week's was Bowden's like Bowden, just seeing Bowden really shine in his element as a leader. And like, I was on FaceTime last night watching this with Gina and Lauren from the locker room. And we were talking about like, who would you want to be in a hostage situation with? And they were, you know, think Gina said Severide or whatever. And I was like, yeah, Severide would be great. Like, of course, like Severide is a Avenger. He can do everything. Like, of course, Severide's a great option. But like, to yeah. me, I just see Severide being a little bit more of a hothead in this hostage situation. Like, Bowden, like, one, yeah, yeah, Bowden is just such calm, like, but he's still strong and a leader and like can handle it. And I, like, if I wanted to be in this kind of situation with anyone, I would want it to be Bowden. Yeah, for sure. So, and I feel like we don't see Bowden shine as much since he took the deputy deputy district yeah. chief position. Like, I feel like he's just kind of been on the back burner. So it was cool to see him in this episode. And to know that they like changed an entire Walgreens and made it a grocery store. I mean, like you could kind of tell that it was a Walgreens, <laughs> but like for the most part, like it w- it looked like it didn't even look recognizable as a Walgreens. Yeah, I do love, I do, I have to say though, I love grocery stores on television shows. I don't know why, because they don't like, they look enough like a grocery store. Like you get the point, right? That it's supposed to be a grocery store, but they're yeah. so barren compared to like what a real grocery store looks like yeah. that you're just like this is not a grocery store but like okay yeah. for tv purposes i'll believe that it's a grocery store yeah it's just so funny to me also grocery stores took a hit on last night's episode yeah you had this. i was like okay we don't need to go there yeah like am i gonna be slightly traumatized when i go grocery shopping this weekend probably yeah probably yeah, yeah. um but yeah, and it, like you were going back to your earlier point about like, we haven't really seen a ton of Bowdoin this season. I just, yeah, I really liked seeing this. I I really have, I mean, as much as I've enjoyed, of course, all the Stella and Hakami and all of that stuff, because of course I have, like, I really have enjoyed the fact that like the last couple episodes we got Cruise and now we're getting the Bowdoin bottle episode. And like, I really have enjoyed seeing some emphasis on some other characters we haven't seen as much of this season in the last couple weeks it's been really nice um so let's start off with of course Bowden and a little bit of Severide because I didn't really know how to throw in this first scene without throwing it into this section but we have to of course talk about the first scene so Cruz is making breakfast and he like kind of randomly out of the blue asked Severide like when the wedding is which is of course like the question on the whole fandom's mind but like for Cruz, it's just kind of out left field. Um, but yeah. I love that he asked it. And Severide, it's just like, I don't know. Like, we're working all that out. It's like, why would Severide know when his wedding is? He's just going to show, like, Stella's just going to be, like, the day before, like, show up tomorrow, 3 p.m., this place. Okay, cool. Like, that's going to yeah. be how Severide is. Like, I've got your talks. You're good. Just show up at this time. And, you know, all you have to do is come in the talks. Yeah, but I wonder if they threw that in there because obviously ramping up to the finale, like we're going to see a lot more of the wedding planning stuff. I would assume so, right? Like why else do you throw in this one random scene where Cruz asks about the wedding? 
Right. I feel like it was fitting coming from Cruz because he's the only other guy on squad that we know of that's married. Tony might be married, but we haven't heard of it. Um, so I felt like it was kind of fitting that and like Cruz has like looked up to Severide and, you know, has kind of wanted Severide to be by his side. Um, so I feel like it's definitely, it's definitely not out of left field totally for Cruz to say that, but it was kind of like, why are we bringing it up now? You know? Yeah. Like I said, I feel like they threw it in, especially in a boat and bottle episode. Like it wasn't even... Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. You caught us just in time. We were literally just, we kind of been like having a general conversation about fire. And I was literally just yeah. about to start fire, like getting into that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Hi, Jen. Hi. But yeah. So, like I said, I think there's a point to them making Severide have the comment about the wedding like or that whole conversation they don't just throw it into a boat and bottle episode for no reason yeah they don't don't. Um, there definitely is a reason and I'm scared about it (laughs) you're scared about the (laughs) Celeride wedding especially after no not about the wedding but about the finale especially after (laughs) Derek's interviews on one Chicago day I mean yeah yeah. Derek I I don't know I'm more I wouldn't say I'm scared because I'm I'm not scared necessarily, but I have been thinking a lot more recently of like, are we actually going to get the Celeride wedding or are we not? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm pushing the thought of it into the future. I'm just like, I'm, yeah, that sounds really stressful about the finale. I'm just going to let future Gina worry about that. Like, no. Yeah, yeah just that's like a cross that bridge till we get to it. That's like a mid-May problem. That's not a <laughs> yeah. mid-April problem. That's a mid-May no. problem. That's not a mid-April problem. <laughs> I will say whenever we get it, though, it definitely needs to be longer than like five to ten minutes. It needs to be the whole episode. Yeah. I want to see like the whole thing. I want to see the like before, the during, the after. Like if we're going to get the wedding, I want the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody, there was like and, a, go ahead, Gina. Oh, and, and it's got to go smoothly. Like, yeah. yeah, no, no FBI raids, no like fires in the ceiling, no explosions across the street, like perfectly fine, nice wedding. The worst problem that they can have that day is like, oh no, the florist is stuck in traffic. That's it. Right. <laughs> there was a tweet going around this week of like, you know, the fact that Mouch and Trudy are the only ones who've had like a normal everything, right? Bachelor party, like, and that we've seen like the whole shebang of their wedding, right? You had Mouch's bachelor party, you had the ceremony, you had the reception, like you've seen the whole shebang of the wedding. The only people we've seen that with is Mouch and Trudy. So like, fingers crossed that Stellarite is the second couple we see that for. Yeah. I feel like that stuff happens too, even with the families. And it's like, because- they're not like the biggest ship on the show or something like Cruz and Chloe, they have a successful family, but that's because we don't see them half the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a little nervous, but I'm not scared yet. I'm not like letting it consume me yet. So that's, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't have the energy to be scared of it yet. <laughs> like, yeah, that's been yeah. May's problem. That's not now's problem. No. Um, Our only requirement though, is that it goes off without a hitch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, let the cliffhanger happen after the wedding. That's all. Yeah. Why does it have to be a cliffhanger? Why can't it just be Stellarite having absolutely raucous wedding sex? 
I didn't say the ste- the cliffhanger had to be with Stellaride. I'm just saying let Stellaride get married and then have a cliffhanger. The the wedding doesn't need to be the cliffhanger. Yeah. I would actually prefer if the cliffhanger was not revolving around Stellaride just because of last season's cliffhanger. Yeah. Right. Don't need that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But after someone's theory in the Patreon group, I was like, now that could be a cliffhanger. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll there. get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, I have plans to bring that up. We will definitely get there. Okay, so Bowden is heading out for the day. He has to run drills at the other houses. And like Severide, you know, is like, oh, well, I'm having brisket. Like, come back early or whatever. And Bowden's like, okay. Like, first of all, we never really see Severide make a meal. Like, when he does, it's like a super rare big occasion. And so it's just nice to know that Severide does actually pitch in sometimes and like make meals. We've seen him in Man the Grill before. He's done that before. It's always but, brisket. Yeah. It's always, he's like always making brisket. Whenever he does cook, he's like always like doing something on the grill with brisket. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh, um, but yeah, it's just fun to see that. And so Bowden's like, okay, well, I'll pick up some spices for some super fancy rub recipe I want to try like while I'm out. I'll be back for lunch. But I did laugh at this one match line. He's like, Cruz, hold my pancake order. Gotta make room for dinner. Like <laughs> such a little match line. I just fucking love Mouch. Love him. So Bowden goes to the grocery store and he's like picking up the spices when all of a sudden a car crashes in through the wall and you hear like a bunch of gunshots too. Um, So the guy who crashed the car, of course, has a gun and he's like holding everyone in the grocery store hostage. So... Bowden, of course, goes into straight leader mode. He, like, quietly puts his radio down so the guy won't notice he has it. Um, and he just handles everything from here on out basically like a champ. So I don't think I've ever seen somebody handle a car crashing through their, their location with, like, such calm. Like, his face was completely unchanged. Like, you hear the noise of the gunshots and he was just like, oh, something's happening. Okay. Well, even when Bowden, it, like, even in the past times when we've seen Bowden super panicked, like, it's very rare. Like, everything mm-hmm. Bowden does, he approaches with, like, a calm manner. And it's just, even, like I said, even that's why Jennifer and I were talking about earlier. And I think I said this to you last night. Like, if I had to be in a hostage situation, I would want it to be with Bowden. Oh, yeah. 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 Um. So, of course, the guy who, his name is Will, the guy who, you know, he's the one that ran the car and the thing, he has, like, a deep laceration in his side, so Bowden tries to convince him to, like, bandage it. He sends one of the hostages to go get him the bandages from, like, the other aisle or whatever, but, like, when she goes back there, she, like, sees a victim on the floor who's hurt, and I swear to God, I did not need to see her foot bend like that. No. It was funny because we were we were FaceTiming with some of our friends in the pod squad group chat, obviously, and all of our streams were at different points. So it was like a cascade. Like at one point, Bryna, you just go, oh, and then like Lauren two minutes later was like, oh, and I was like, ah, like all at different moments. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, I did not. I hate when things do. No, that is not the way you're supposed to bend. Like I hate when I just I hate that stuff. Yeah, it, I, I chill ran up my spine for sure. I was like, and then I was rewatching it again today as I was outlining. I was like, I did not need, I was like this. I was like, nope, you don't want to watch that again. <laughs> don't, nope, nope. Okay. I hate that scene. There's just some things that don't need to be seen. Like yeah. we could have inferred that for sure. 
yeah but of course like again Bowden handles everything like a pro he's like okay go get me cardboard go get me this like I'm gonna do this and blah 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 yada yada like he just handles everything like a pro again I would want to be with Bowden if I had to be with anybody um, I want to hear more stories from Bowden's firefighting days you yeah, know that yes. man has seen some shit I know they'll never do this because fire is not that kind of show but if they were to ever to do like begins episodes a la like 911 I need the yeah. Bowden like begins of, or like a flashback episode of like Bowden as like a younger firefighter oh my god the Bowden one would need to be first yeah yeah it would just it would be I, amazing I also love though when we hear Mal Sherman and Bowden like talking about like the old firefighter days I'm like give me more of it please mm-hmm. oh my god yeah to see them as like a young trio hanging out or whatever a la like Ritter Gallo Violet type friendship oh my god I would die for that like I said I know we'll never get it because fire doesn't do flashbacks like that like we'll never get it but I would love if they were gonna do like a special episode like that I would love that they could give us like an entire they could fill a whole season of that like week after week it's like Severide begins Violet begins Cruise begins I would watch it yeah. Oh yeah, hell yeah. You could give me like a whole half a season of Bowden Begins. Like give me like all the different parts of it. I would be I would watch every minute of it. Spin it off and make a prequel. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Just call it Bowden. <laughs> Bowden. <laughs> um so back at 51, Mouch is of course watching TV and like the news cuts into the hostage situation. So, of course, like, pretty much immediately, 61 gets called out to the address of the incident. And Severide, of course, he's Severide. He notices, like, Bowden's buggy in the parking lot on the news. I was like, only Severide. Only Severide. I noticed it before they all did. I was like, <laughs> how did you guys not see that? <laughs> it's, it's, like, not even that I, it's, yeah, it's like, it's not even that I didn't notice. Because, of course, I know the whole context of the situation. Right. But, like, in that moment, if I was, like, Mouch or Severide, I don't even know if I would be thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if Bowden's there. Let me look for his buggy in the right. parking lot. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just especially because there's so many different, like, firehouses. I also loved how they used NBC five news. Is that the local like NBC Chicago news station? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So like they'll use like NBC people on some of the shows sometimes. So I don't know. I just got a kick out of that. That's fun. So like I said, 61 already went out to the scene a little bit earlier. So Severide calls Violet, which I love seeing like little character. I love when we see two characters who don't really ever interact, interact. And I just, I don't know something about it to me. The fact that Severide called Violet was just, I really loved that. I don't know why, but I no, I loved it too. I loved it too. I was like, they're interacting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course, obviously would love to see them interact more. Somebody responded on Twitter to us and was like, okay, well, I need to see these two chemistry nerds like team up for, you know, an actual like arson investigation. I was like, hell yeah, I need to see them solve an arson case together. Violet would be such a good little fire cop in training. She, mm-hmm. she really would though. She really would. Uh, but yeah, so Severide calls Violet and she confirms that Bowden's buggy's there. So basically after that point, Severide's okay, load up the cavalry, like, let's go. We're all going out. Um, which of course, the found family unit of in this episode, like everyone traveling together, doing things together to support Bowden. Like, I just it was on point this episode. I loved it. 
One of my favorite, favorite things about this episode was that like one of their own was somewhere else and like they didn't even have to think about it. It just was kind of the thing where like you turn around and all of your firehouse is right there. It's just like, that's how yeah. it works. Like, that's just how things are. I love that. Yeah. I also like- loved how it was Severide like calling the shots because usually it's Herman and he's like, okay, come on guys. But it was Severide this time. Loved that. Yeah, for sure. So back in the grocery store, Bowden tr- tries to convince Will to release the hostage. So he's like showing good faith to the police. But um, Will's like, you know, I escaped Cook County. Like, I'm not going back. And he like goes into his whole backstory. Basically, apparently he was in for armed robbery and assault, but he claims he was just a lookout and still got like a bunch of time on a sentence. And then, of course, the first week he was in, he got jumped. His back was all cut up. And so, you know, when he saw the opportunity to escape, he escaped. And so that's how we ended up here. And of course, like there just so happens to be a retired lawyer in the store because of course there's a retired lawyer in the store being held hostage. Like, of course. How convenient. Yeah. So he agrees to try to like help Will on the outside of this. Um, and of course they end up using, like trying to convince Will with the, like, if you let her die, you'll get murder in the second degree car, you know, like that whole card and like convince him to release the hostage. Um, so Will eventually sends Bowden back to the back of the store to like, look and see if anyone's back there. And like, there's a bunch of people in the back room, but Bowden doesn't say anything. He lies when he comes back out to Will and he's like, you know, nobody's out there. But so while Will is sending out the hostages, the two hostages, Bowden uses his radio to let Severide know, like, hey, there's hostages in back room. Like, you got to quietly find a way to get him out of there. So squad goes around back and Severide's like, I don't think I'll be able to cut through the bay door. So, you know, he's like, oh, I know. He's like, I'll go up on the roof and like just casually get him out through that way. And it's like, again, only Severide things. Only Severide just, things. Just, just Severide things. Just just Severide things. I did like. I don't know. There was a point in this episode where I was like, okay, but we're also, we're 10 seasons in. How has this man not learned how to open a door with like just his mind or like, <laughs> like how it, like he can't just like stare at the door and it just like unbolts itself. Like just separate things. Just, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Have we, have we ever actually confirmed that he cannot fly? Have we ever actually confirmed that like, you know, he, do we know where he was the day of the battle of New York? I'm just saying like, <laughs> just saying um i mean here's the thing you say he do we not have we not ever gotten confirmation he can't fly i mean he does repel down i mean in this episode so like that's basically him flying in my book so close enough pretty much yeah so yeah he basically it's a brilliant idea like i said to go up on the roof and open up the little window thing whatever it is up top and Herman is like creating the diversion out front. So it'll like spook Will a little bit. And so Severide can like open the window that he needs to or whatever. Um, and like Bowden is just like, oh yeah, like you just heard my radio. Like there's nothing actually happening outside. Yada, yada, yada. And like the lawyer guy, of course, is reaching out via radio. He's like, yeah, I've got a plea deal for you. Like just, you know, do what we talked about. Like I'll, you know, it'll be okay. Um, and like the distractions, all that happening is just enough for Severide to get the window open and start repelling down and taking people out one by one. So Will starts to surrender when one of the store employees like sees a guy 
pinned under the car. And I hated this guy. Like, literally, we are so close to everyone getting out of here safe, you know, whatever. And the guy's like, oh, my God. And it's just like, dude, shut up. Oh, green shirt guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I so thought he was going to fuck shit up. I thought he was going to be a lot worse than he actually was, though. I thought he was going to grab the gun. When Will had set it down, I was like, oh, my God, no, he's he can't do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like I said, he points out to this guy, he points out this guy that's like pinned under the car with a gunshot wound to his head. He's dead, of course. Um, But this, of course, freaks Will out because Will now thinks that it doesn't matter. Like he's going to get this second degree murder charge. So then, of course, Will freaks out more because he sees Severide taking up the hostages in the back room and like he starts freaking out on Bowden. So Will goes so as far as to cock the gun. He like walks out of the store. He looks like he's about to kill himself. And he almost does, but not before Bowden can tackle him and stop him. Um, And it's a really powerful scene because like Bowden tackles him and then they still look like they're going to swat and all the other police, you know, look like they're going to do something. But then all of a sudden you see all of 51 go like surround, like make that wall and like surround them to protect them, you know? And I was just like, wow, again, the found family aspect, like 51 being there for, you know, their people is just, I love them. I just, I love them. They kill me in the best way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, so of course, but of course, Will, gets arrested and Bowden's like you know tells the lawyer guy he's like you know go with him make sure they treat him fairly um and then once Will leaves again like everyone just kind of has a moment where they like check in on they surround Bowden and they like put their hands on his shoulders and like their way of checking in with him without actually saying anything and I was just like my heart like Mm -hmm. I just I love them Mm -hmm. um and then we get this last scene that kind of wraps up this storyline um, so at the end of shift, Severide, Stella, and Herman go check on Bowden and his office. Just wanted to check on you, make sure you're doing okay. I am not. That whole standoff, there was a customer with a bullet in him, 30 feet away from where we were all standing, and saw the wound. I'm sorry he died instantly. But I don't know that. I'll never know that. Chief. You were the one who taught us to focus on the victims we save and put the ones we can't behind us. Severide's right. You saved a lot of people today. Including that young man who was holding the gun. That wasn't serendipity. That was the right man at the right place at the right time. Serendipity! I'm so glad it happened. Same. It happened. At first, I didn't catch it because I was just so focused on like the Stella, Severide, and Herman of it all. I was like, oh man, all three lieutenants, but yeah. 
than I caught. I, yeah. I love that. And you know what? My stream was like two seconds behind. So one of our patrons, Lexi, she actually tweeted it in all caps, like serendipity. And I was like, oh my God, it's coming. Like, holy crap. And then he said it. And I was like, ah, I love that Herman said it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. The fact that Herman said it, it just, and the fact that too, like, I don't know, I think people were kind of hyping it up that like, oh, it's going to be in the wedding vows or, you know, whatever. But like, I, I thought it was so fitting for this moment. And I didn't think that using the word serendipity, like it just kind of felt like a natural choice in this moment for serendipity mm-hmm. to be the right word. Like it just felt so natural. Um, yeah. But I honestly didn't expect it. And I don't know why I didn't expect it because I knew that this in the back of my head, that this was a Derek episode. So like, I knew obviously, of course, that it was the possibility it was going to happen. And we kind of knew that it was like potentially coming up in the next couple weeks, but it just, it didn't cross my mind that like, it was going to happen. I don't, I don't know. Like it still just didn't seem like a thing that was going to happen. And then it happened. And I was like, Oh my God, it happened. <laughs> you know what I'm curious about is because remember a couple weeks ago, Herman said serenity. And when he said it, we were all like, oh, was that it? I wonder if that was a planned fake out. Cause like, yeah, when he said it, I was like, Oh my God, wait a second. No, that wasn't it. Hold on. I and now wonder- it just so happens Herman said it. I just wonder if other writers knew or it was like it just Derek knew that that was like a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm just, I'm glad it happened. I like said, I knew there was a chance it could have potentially gotten cut and I'm glad it didn't. So I'm very yeah. glad that it happened. And so I'm glad, glad that it happened in like this like family moment versus, you yeah. know, just something like on the eighth floor or something. Yeah. 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 It like happening in a very significant moment in this episode, like you said, it just made it that much more special. Yeah. For sure. I love I love so much about the scene that like A, it's all the lieutenants, like you said, Jennifer. And also that he was so forthcoming with his feelings that they were like, How are you? And he took that moment not to be a tough guy, but to be like, I'm not okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, not okay. Well, and I love too that not I love that Severide and Herman like took the advice that Bowden had given them all those years and then were able to use that and like turn it back on him, but not in a way of like, you know, we told you so, or that kind of, you know, haha, like, you know, whatever, but like they really learned a lot from Bowden and Bowden obviously clearly wasn't really thinking about the things he's been teaching them all these years. And so the fact that they were then able to teach him the same things he's been telling them, I don't know. Like, I just, I really like that moment too. For sure. For sure. These are my absolute favorite type of episodes. These bottle episodes when somebody gets stuck mm-hmm. in a disaster, like, and we haven't done this in a while, have we? The last bottle episode we had might've been with what Foster and Stella and um, no, it was last we- year with Herman and, Bruce and Bruce. Herman. Mm, the elevator episode. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. These are my favorites. And they, they're, they always knock them out of the park. Like yeah. always. So yeah. then my question for you two would be like, who, who do you want to see in a bottle episode next? This. I feel like I saw someone post it on social media last night. I don't know if it was a Facebook group or Twitter, but someone said um, Violet and then have like Hawkins come and save her or like Hawkins and Violet together and him like have to kind of like keep her grounded. I would love to see Violet just because I mean, Violet's like pretty much my favorite character now. Like I love Violet. So of course I would love to see a Violet battle episode, but honestly, my first reaction was Mouch. I would love to see a match mm. bottle episode. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. 
That would be really good. Yeah. Cause I feel like we know Violet would kick ass. Like Violet would be, you know, like Violet's bottle episode would be great. And I would of course love to see that at some point, but it's the same thing. Like you think about like a gallo bottle episode, like, of course they're going to kill it. I don't know. Just seeing a match bottle episode, I feel like it would be something totally different. And like, I'm sure match would kick ass too, but just in a very different way. And I don't know. I would love to see a match bottle episode. You Mouch just always alone? see. Or with someone else. No match by himself. Okay. Or like in a situation see- like this, like a hot, I don't know, it necessarily need to be a hostage situation, but like mouch with other people that we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You always see a different side of these characters when they do these episodes. For so sure. like, that's why I think a Gallo one would actually be really good, especially given him being a pain in the ass right now. I think a Gallo one would be awesome. But yeah, I would pay good money for a Violet Bottle episode because she'd crush it. Yeah. But... For sure. I would love to see it. I hope we get another one next year. We've kind of had a couple, like we've had, I feel like one almost pretty much every season the last couple of years. Because I yeah. think the hockey one, or is that one, that might have been season seven. I don't know if we got one technically in eight. But so we've had a lot relatively recently, and I hope we get one next year because I do love them. They're so good. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of listener thoughts for this. Um, Megan R said, every time Bowden has an episode centered around him, Eamon knocks it out of the park every time with his acting. And this week was no exception. I mean, duh. Was there any doubt though, that Eamon was going to kill it? No. No. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, I was surprised at my own surprise during the episode that that Bowdoin was absolutely crushing it. Like, I was like surprised, but then I was like, why are you surprised? It's Bowdoin. I was like surprised at my own surprise, if that makes any sense. No, I had no doubt Eamon was going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. And Jennifer and I were talking right before you came on, Gina, that like, it was really nice to see Bowden get the shine because I feel like we haven't really seen a ton of Bowden this year, even though he's been around, of course. It just, we haven't really seen a ton of Bowden episodes or episode or moments or anything like that. So just to see him shine for a whole episode, it was just, I loved, I loved every minute of it. For sure. Um, Heather B said, love a good Bowden storyline. This felt a bit like a, the hockey episode. Apparently when someone cooks something special, somebody gets stranded in an emergency situation. It's the rules. <laughs> um, yeah, that was chili cook off day. Wasn't it with the girls in the hockey situation? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. So I guess maybe Severide shouldn't then be cooking special meals. If it means someone's going to then find themselves in an emergency situation, maybe he should stop cooking. So bad things happen when Severide cooks. Apparently. Noted. Um, I just like, I thought that was hysterical. Um, Lauren said, I hate that there was no Donna mention at all on fire. Thought it would be important to call the wifey in that situation. Other than that, I loved it. I love that it was more of a Bowdoin centered episode. I needed, I need him around when I have my breakdowns. For sure. Yeah. It, It is kind of been sad. I know. Uh, Melissa is off filming the Teen Wolf movie thing, whatever that is. I don't movie thing. Um, so I don't think we'll probably see any of her. We haven't seen her at all this year, um, which has been really sad. But yeah, it would have been nice just that there were like a little Donna comment in. But um, yeah. Um, and then lastly, we had Ricard. Um he said, or they said the way Bowden and the lawyer went out of their way to help Will made this kind of feel like a case of Stockholm syndrome to me. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. All right. So went out of their way to help him. 
Okay, so Stockholm Syndrome, to my knowledge, is basically where you're in a super fucked up situation, but you adapt to it as if it's normal. When I think you start to, I'd have to, what is the actual definition? I think it's also like you start to feel like you have some kind of bond with the person who is like holding you captive. It's how I've always taken Stockholm Syndrome to be. Feelings of trust or affection felt in many cases of kidnapping or hostage taking by a victim towards a captor. Uh, it didn't really generate from Will, though. It, it it only, it generated one, well, no, but Will was the captor. Okay, hang on, yeah. hang on, other way around. I, I disagree. I disagree. I think Bowden being who he is, I think that's, that all of that came from Bowden being who he is. That, I don't think any of that came from Stockholm Syndrome. With a lawyer, who knows? We don't know him, but I think with Bowden, it's just who he is. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like maybe Bowden felt a little bit more like connected to Will, but not even he was doing what he normally does and trying to keep everyone calm in the situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think for sure, like, I think as the hostage situation went on, does did Bowden start to feel maybe a little more empathy towards Will and like feel some sort of connection with him in that way? Of course. I mean, it's Bowden. He's going to find a way to connect with everybody. But like, when I think of Stockholm Syndrome, I think of something, Gina, like, you know, Denver and Monica on La Casa. <laughs> and like, I don't know, like, it's just not like, I think like you said, you guys said both said like Bowden was going to find a way to connect with whoever it was. So like, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like Stockholm Syndrome, but like, yeah, did Bowden develop some sort of connection or feel some sort of empathy for this guy? Like, of course he did. Yeah. He does that with everybody though. Yeah. And like I said, I wouldn't have expected anything less. I would have, you know, I would have expected him to do that with anyone. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but like that was kind of the end of the Bowden storyline, but like I said, I'm just glad we got, finally got like a good Bowden episode. For sure. It do you want me to handle Violet and Gallo or Jenny yeah you can handle or? you can take the violet like we were talking about earlier like it was like 95 percent Bowden but then you get like a little bit of Violet Gallo Ritter Emma like all kind of like smushed together so you can take it away yeah okay so Ritter and Violet they're walking into the common room and Ritter asks about Emma and she just kind of says in her violet fashion, she's like, she kind of gets patients like automatons. But other than that, she seems fine. Because remember in the last episode, she had absolutely no filter. So, you know, so Violet just mentioned, she's like, you know, I don't really have the energy to deal with this right now. I'm going through some personal stuff. So I haven't really been very observant. And, you know, Brett's coming back soon. So whatever. Did love how Ritter was like, well, if you ever want to download, like I'm here, you know, love it. Yeah, I will love say it. it's been too long since i feel like of course we've had a lot of gallo and violet in the last little bit not in the good way but we've had a lot of them and i feel like ritter kind of just gotten like brushed to the side so like i did like seeing ritter and violet have this conversation you know and like they're see a little bit more of their friendship because i feel like it's been very much lacking the last i don't know eight episodes (laughs) like we haven't seen it pretty much since fire goat went downhill so yeah 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 so Gallo goes to get a snack out of the fridge and Violet apologizes. Hey, about the other day, I really appreciate what you said about being my close friend and taken up for me. I meant it. I know, and that's why I am grateful and sorry 
appreciate that. Okay, that's great and all, but I have a slight problem with the fact that Gallo slut shames her, Gallo acts like a jealous little shit, and she's the one apologizing. Yeah. Not cool. I think here's the thing though. I think she had to apologize for her wrongdoings. I think Gallo also yeah. should apologize. I because I definitely like said I like like I kind of said this last week. Like Gallo is not in the right. But Violet was also, that doesn't mean Violet was also, Violet was wrong and Gallo was wrong. So I think Violet was needed to apologize, but I think Gallo still owes her an apology too. Big time. Sure. Yeah. It's not a good look right now that like Violet apologized, but then like when he was trying to talk about him being all protective and jealous, like he was trying to defend his actions, like not a great look. I will say though, even though I still think he owes her an apology, I did like seeing at the end of her apology, them kind of being back to friends. I was like, okay, like I have missed as much as Gallo's been like a terrible person the last eight, half the season. I have really missed the millennial trio. And then seeing like when Ritter comes over and he's like, I can't take enough of the arguing. Like, please tell me you made up like that. (laughs) Just like that whole little moment. And then they talk about like, the amusement park idea or whatever like seeing them together as like the millennials that we all know and love I was just like okay like it doesn't necessarily mean I excuse everything Gallo's done the last half of the season but I was like okay my heart like they're back together being the millennials I I love this yeah yeah definitely a step in the right direction for sure yeah um so so yeah they make up which is adorable because Ritter's just like I can't take it and then he looks at them like the fact that they did like the synchronized like arm fold that was (laughs) cute yeah Uh, and he's like oh you already made up so they all go sit down at the table and then like Emma slides in which you can tell that like hey it's an ABC conversation like see yourself yeah yeah like you know well Uh, the way she started the conversation I was like you could have like said hi a different way than how you did but whatever she's just she's trying to act like she fits in already which like you gotta kind of earn that so she doesn't and she doesn't let's figure that's even too nice you know she doesn't fit in she she stayed no 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 No, I agree with you I agree so yeah they sit down and then Emma like makes it she mentioned something she's like oh the EKG wasn't charged in the ambo but I took care of it like don't worry about it with like the creepiest look on her face what are we doing she has this like such this weird smile after she says it and it's just like i don't trust her nope not one bit nope nope no thank you and i can get the fuck out like no thank you yeah yeah so as they're packing up their bags like at the very end of shift after all this stuff emma's just like man like 51 never fails to get the blood pumping and she's like wow i really wish i could stay here and violet does not even miss a beat like well brett's coming back so that's too bad she's like like, maybe Bowden can hook you up with one of his other houses and it's just like violet i love that violet has no filter like i love that she does what she doesn't because like emma has zero filter but like violet Violet does when she needs to, but like when she wants to just lay it out to somebody like and tell them as it is, like it is, she just does. Yeah, she yeah. like says her feelings without saying it like straight out, but she's not lying about it. I don't know. She just does it in such a violent way and it works. And I just, I loved it. It was, it was like the best little dig to Emma too. I was like, okay, go get her, Violet. Violet Makami is my spirit animal. Same. I, yeah. honestly, I think she's up there I don't know I haven't really thought that much hard recently about my like favorite fire characters but I'd honestly say Violet's probably in my top three of all time she's the best 
I loved how Hanako said it in the one Chicago video. She was like, my favorite scene is probably the appendicitis one. When, like, I was working so much with Jimmy, I was like, yes, that's mine too. Yeah. She kills it. She kills it. Hilarious. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. And so then, so Emma leaves. And on the other side of the lockers, Gallo asks Ritter if he's ready to go. And Ritter's just like, dude, I call John Topkins. (laughs) She never went there. Like, what? on earth triggered Ritter's spidey senses to like go ahead and call John Hopkins. You cannot be like, like you've got to be a sketchy, sketchy person for Ritter to catch on to you. Yeah. Well, I also just love how like, it's so unrealistic that Johns Hopkins would just tell some random guy that like, like convert, like that would never, they would never give that much info to some random person. Like that just wouldn't happen. But, um, yeah, if, if Ritter is, like, wary of you, then, like, you definitely are evil. Like, because Ritter is not wary of anyone, but if Ritter is wary of you, oh, man, like, you're done for. I want to um, know what motivated him to check that. Yeah. Well, you could tell last week when Emma came up to him and Gallo at Molly's and she, like, had, you know, brushed her hand against Gallo's shoulder and whatever, that he definitely was, like something just felt off to him like just the look in his eyes but for him to go so far as to like call johns hopkins yeah i don't know what set him off that much mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah there's definitely something fishy here and i i yeah i find it weird that like if she did like she lied about going there why did she use john hopkins like one of like the most what elite hospitals or whatever in the country like you could have said I don't know, Lakeshore or something, and that probably would have been a little bit more believable. I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe she's a narcissist and wanted to like talk herself up. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. See, she's just, I don't like her. I don't like her. Me neither. Me neither. Okay. So I, Gina, I don't know if you saw Jennifer, I know just alluded to it, but there was this Emma theory in the patron group. Have you seen it? The post I've seen, I saw, I saw like I saw it quickly, so I didn't catch the full grasp okay, of it, well, but I I'm did gonna see read your it. comment saying it was good. Yeah, go ahead. Because I asked Helene if I could read it, because it's not my theory, of course, but it was just so good. I was like, I feel like it would be a good discussion point. So Helene said, you know, she's a theory about where this Emma Violet storyline's going and where it could potentially leading to this year's cliffhanger. And so she said, Emma mentioned at one point that Violet forgot to charge the EKG machine and that she fixed it. I don't think it's true. I think Emma is gaslighting Violet and will continue to do so, chipping away at her confidence. She'll cause enough mistakes, blaming them on Violet until she can report her to HQ for incompetence. Hawkins might even be the one to receive the complaint and not be able to do anything, but pass it on or else it show favoritism. Either that or Emma will find out about Hakami and apply Hawkins has been covering up for her since Violet became PIC. The cliffhanger could be Violet facing an inquiry, suspension, or even termination, giving Emma the opportunity to take her place and stay at 51. Ritter's already on to her, so I think he will... At least he and Gallo will have a role in helping prove Violet's innocence. My dream would be that they also team up with Hawkins. I would love to see Gallo and Hawkins work side by side without jealousy or animosity. That would be amazing. Like, I just, I didn't even really think about the fact that, like, I knew, obviously, of course, something is up with Emma, right? Like, I knew that, I kind of figured that as the episodes go on, we're kind of just going to see more and more of Emma's bad side kind of start to come out and like her lies start to be really like just taken down but I didn't even really think about the fact that like she could be trying to like manipulate Violet and like 
use it as a way because she's made comments before how she would love to be at 51 like this is her kind of house like yeah. she, you know she likes the action and all that stuff so I didn't really think about the fact that she could try to use it as a way to manipulate Violet and then I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that like if she manipulates Violet and tries to go to the paramedic chief that like obviously then that causes Hawkins issues because Hawkins can't show favoritism like I, it just didn't even cross my mind and so when I read Helene's theory in this in our patron group I was like holy crap I was like it makes all the sense I would not that I of course want a violent cliffhanger but like I it just it made all the sense and I was like holy shit it, it's like a joint hope Ava Becker that they're gonna do with her um I I hope we don't go the whole I'd rather have this yeah. and I'd rather have like a hope thing than I I hope we don't go the Ava Becker route I don't need yeah. Emma to end up being a serial killer. <laughs> I don't need anyone like in danger, but just like, like how we kind of ended the mid season finale, like how we had that just kind of them like wondering where they go from here. I don't need anyone like in danger. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can see Emma, like, I don't know. I never really thought about like Hawkins, Gallo and Ritter, Ritter, like all teaming up that I would love to see just because it might, it'll like, it'll mend the bridge between Gallo and Hawkins a little bit. Um, Yeah. Well, we've only ever, we like, as far as we know right now, Ritter doesn't know. So I would love to see Ritter find out. And like, we saw Ritter make the comment earlier on, he's like, you know, when they're looking at Hawkins through the window and Ritter's like, well, he is good to look at. Like, I don't know. I would just love to see Ritter make a comment about Hawkins and like be involved in all that. Like, that would be fun if it is actually, you know, where this goes. Um, But yeah, like I said, I just saw that theory and I was like, oh man, like that's, that's a good one. Um, Lean has the best theories. Did we talk about the the other Violet one, like on the pod from a couple of weeks ago? The one no. about um, yeah, she had a really great theory in our patron happy hour, like a couple of weeks ago. That um, the thing that made Violet want to be a paramedic is that she was there the the day that Lakeshore got bombed in season one as like a child, and seeing everybody help is like what made her want to become a paramedic. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. a good theory, but I'm not here for the Ava Becker, Emma theory. No. I'm not here for that one. I just, uh, that I already thought that was ridiculous enough when it happened on med. I don't need a similar version of it to happen on fire. Like I just, I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, make Emma be a little crazy. Sure. Like have her manipulate Violet, you know, try to take over Violet's spot. Like all of that. Sure. I can handle that. But like have her go like kill herself. I don't, I don't need that. I don't. Yeah. I don't think any of us are over that med season premiere, even though it's been like two or three seasons now. Yeah. That'll always just be like a, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking about it earlier. Cause Jennifer and I were obviously talking about the Stevie news and that comment that um, Andy and Diane had made about the fact that like, Oh, they just kind of run out of storylines. And then I was thinking about it, of course, because that's kind of something what they said similar about Ava and um, Connor and all that stuff. And I was just like, Oh man. So you give Stevie a mom who's homeless and you literally can't think of anything else for a 30 something year old woman to do who works in a hospital. Yeah, that's what they said. You literally can't think of anything else. 
Yeah. That doesn't happen. No. Yeah. Certain TV things like trigger me. And that's one of them when they're like, we just didn't, we ran out of things to do. You had them for like six episodes. What do you mean you didn't know what to do? Yeah. I also hate how it happens to female characters. Like there's just no like explanation. Or if we do get one, it's not a very good one. But they also, that's what they did to Connor too. which blows my mind. Like will forever blow my mind. Like you had Colin effing Donald as in your cast and you're just like "Mm, there's really nothing left for him to do blasphemy yeah yeah i'm good i'm good no we're good fire (laughs) so we have a lot of listener thoughts on this one megan r started this off she said i kind of figured something was off about emma and i'm curious as to what her story is now that we know she lied why is she so interested in 51 specifically i'm definitely here for detective ritter though same yeah Same. yeah yep. yeah i need a good ritter episode for sure mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah i'll be curious to see where the emma stuff goes i mean jennifer and i were talking we have four episodes left which is kind of mind-blowing to think we only have four episodes left of the seasons um but to see where it goes and like especially too because there's also and i know it was a conversation i think it was on our facetime last night and then in the patron group like obviously there's also the brett factor right because like Brett supposedly is supposed to be coming back, but then there's a bunch of rumors of like, okay, well, Brett may come back, but then like, is Kara, Kara could be maybe leaving this show, you know, like there's just all these kind of rumors, but then, so it's like, okay, well then, so how does Emma fit into all of this and Violet? Like, I don't know. There's just so much happening that I'll just be curious to see how it all plays out over the last four. I don't necessarily have like a ton of specific theories. I am just curious to see where it goes though. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but then Danielle in our patron group, and this isn't necessarily much as like a thought as it was just a comment. She said, um, cause she's a paramedic. I think that's mm-hmm. correctly it, but yeah. Um, and she said the EKG line struck me as odd in modern ambulances. The machines are constantly charging while they're docked in the ambos. So I guess that's kind of like a, it doesn't really work. It works more for the storyline, I guess, than it does yeah. actually in reality. I just thought that was interesting. Um, because I didn't really think about charging an EKG, but like, I guess you do. I, I, I don't know. I just didn't really think about it. Um, but yeah. Any other notes on fire, you guys? I, I This was a great episode. I love the bottle episode so much. Love yeah. them. Yeah. I loved that we got to see more of Bowdoin. And like, in a sense that he wasn't with the rest of his team but they were watching out for him so yeah yeah really really good episode really good and we got the word so like the word the word the word i woke up this morning and i was definitely just like the word like serendipity what a wonderful phrase (laughs) (sighs) yeah yeah yep uh all right it's pd time you know the drill stretch it out yeah stretch it out because Jen, shout. Okay. This was a good episode? Question mark? Why do you say question mark on it? I liked it, but we didn't really, we didn't really move anything forward. But I love a good J episode. Yeah, I I didn't realize Jennifer was telling me earlier, we haven't had like a solid solo J episode since episode three. 
Not that I remember at least, but I I love Jay episodes. Because we've obviously we had I was we were having this conversation earlier. Like there was obviously a bunch of Upstead and Voight and Roy and all that stuff in the first half, but I guess we haven't had like a solid Jay episode since early on, which just seems like mind blowing to me. But I mean the punch was it was in an episode, but that was more of like an upset episode right. as a whole. Right. So. Yeah. Jesse always knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Always. Oh, they're so, yeah. Just, yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it, but I also like, I don't know. I, I liked it, but but also there were like some other parts to it. Like I didn't, it didn't advance anything forward. And I'm not really sure how I feel about this Torres kid, but we'll get there. We'll oh get yeah. There. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so we start this episode and Jay and Trudy are at the Academy. Now, I do, what were they doing here? These kids are still in the Academy, right? But they're shadowing certain units of the CPD. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I think they're trying to give them more. Because obviously, like, they usually go from the Academy straight to parole. But I think they're trying to get them, like, specialized unit, you know, experience. So they, you know, are assigning them to different units. And this guy just happens to get intelligence. Look at the draw, dude. Like, that's the big yeah. leagues for sure so yeah they, this officer is going to be shadowing jay for a couple of days just to like experience the unit like literally that's it so jay is just like okay well do you have this you have that like are you ready this is what we're going to do and then he's like do you have your covert pancake and he's like yeah so the whole fandom is like the fuck is a covert pancake like what the hell is that so you know my favorite thing is to go down rabbit holes right i immediately was like let's go to the source commented on Lucha's Insta. I was like, what's a covert pancake? He replied, he replied. He said, it is a covert holster, like a a pancake holster. It's a type of holster for a gun. So I looked this up while we were just talking about fire. Um, And this to me looks like just a normal run of the mill holster. I don't know. My dad owns guns. So like, I know what they look like, but this doesn't look like anything special. And when I hear pancake, I think like it's going to be something that looks really inconspicuous, right? This looks conspicuous. I'm going to show you guys a picture. Hang on. Yeah, I meant to Google it and then I forgot as per typical. But like that looks kind of conspicuous, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're wearing it under your shirt and it's like just sticking out, I guess if your shirt's loose enough that it could be covert, but... Usually you don't wear it on the outside of your shirt. Usually not. This one's covert. Like that's pretty covert. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. When I want to know the answer to things, I just go ask. Like <laughs> I just thought it was funny that like it's just such a funny phrase. And you're like, wait, what? Did they just say what I thought he said? Like it's just like, wait, what? Yeah. 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 Um, also like we are hashtag blessed times a thousand that Brian Luch is back on Instagram. Just yes. blessed. He came back on one Chicago day. Like, oh yeah. During PD, I was like, okay, I have so many other things that I want to focus on, but I want to like look at his Instagram. Well, he hasn't been on Instagram in over a year. Mm-hmm. Like, he so when off, he, like at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. It was like 2020 at some point, but like when he went, when I when he did like went for the photo dump, he went for the photo dump. It was like, yeah. and he does it one photo at a time too. So like, it's not like even just like ten photos on a post. It is like one photo per post. So he went on. 
Luju's I mean, the only person Thomas who gets story. away with that in my book. I'm like, you want to post one photo yeah. at a time and post three of them? Fine by me. You get away with it. And he was yeah. posting on his story too, which I feel like he never does that. So I was like, oh my gosh, just give us all the content, please. And it was one Chicago day. It was like, he caught wind of it and just decided, let me just like give you more. <laughs> it was a one Chicago Christmas miracle. Yes. Yeah. I love it. He posted the, the picture of like, there was the one of Jesse and Patty like hugging and it looked like an awkward sibling hug. And then he posted the video the other night that like um, they were doing a rehearsal take or something and LaRoyce totally pranked him. Like he like walked in and handed him a coffee cup that had like hand sanitizer on it or something. Uh, just so good so good to yes. have him back so good to have him back please don't ever leave again luch please he posted a video today where they it was like from 907 i think is where i saw like the behind the scenes footage and it was them like throwing things that upsets like windshields like <laughs> gunshots to the uh to the windshield i was like love this behind the scenes content love it the best the best Okay, so Torres leaves to go change and Jay basically asks his supervisor, he's like, should I know, any- like, do I need to know anything? What's going on? And the guy just, he's like, that's the thing. Like, we don't know anything about him. So um, my question is, how did Jay get tasked with this? Because Trudy like asked. Oh, did she? Did, did she say that in the first scene? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Should pay attention. Um, Yeah. So then on the ride along, Jay is trying to get this kid to open up. He's like, so like awkward conversation. How's it going? Why did you become a cop? Which like Jay is a man of few words. Okay. Like that's big effort from him. If he's trying to make conversation with you, like throw him a bone. Um, So then he's like, I gave you a call sign. And then he like explains the call signs. And he's like, yeah, so you're 5021 Ocean. Isn't that cool? And like nothing nothing just i love like i really am curious like what goes into picking a call sign because they're so random i know i know i i thought that too because like i think well i don't know i thought it was funny in the scene that he was like explaining call signs because i was like honey the fans figured this out years ago yeah we figured if you weren't gonna tell us we were just gonna teach ourselves and that's exactly what we did so I feel like in the early days of intelligence, it was almost like alphabetical, right? Like sorta, because like yeah. you had George, Henry, Ida, uh, Frankie, yeah, Frank, uh, and or I think Kevin is fifty twenty one David. Yeah, they're all I names think, too. Like where yeah. does the ocean come from? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, Aaron was fifty twenty one Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know what we need is like one of those name generator things. You know how people are like, well, your stripper name is like your old street and like your pet name, like your call sign is. Oh my God, Gina, know. we have to make one of those. I know, I know. Like that's this weekend's Chicago project. PD, yeah, your your Chicago PD call sign is like first two digits of this, second two digits of that. And then like, I don't know. We'll think about it. Yeah, we'll think about we it, pre- but yeah, post Instagram post coming next week on oh, how to determine yes. your call sign name. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. Okay, so uh, as soon as Jay asks him what made him want to be a cop, they get a shots fired call. Now, again, like this is what baffles me about this episode. Is they're just like, oh, shots fired. Let's go. Just totally assuming like, okay, kid, you're totally ready. Like you're going to know every single thing to do. Let's go. This kid's been out of the academy for five fucking seconds. What is he going to do? Like, what's he going to do? I don't know. 
So they they get to the scene of the shooting as soon as J- or they find the offender going out the back alley. But when he recognizes them, he starts shooting. So Jay goes after him one way and Tori goes after him the other, which like that's a shit ton of trust to put in your like your brand new rookie to be go run the other way. Go get him. Like, don't fuck up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Jay had specifically told Torres, like, stay here. Don't move. Like, again, don't move like keep your feet here don't do anything so they're able to pin him down and arrest him but basically the way they're able to do it is that torres like snuck up behind him so torres basically did exactly what jay told him not to do the first of many times this episode yeah Yeah, but also that's like the one chicago way of life you know like don't do this thing means do this thing Mm, you're not wrong so when i was like jay don't you want the backup like we know what happens when you go in alone it's not pretty just you get shot and then we all get scared yeah yeah Yeah. i mean what's the worst that tourists could do i mean he knows you know he's been in the academy he kind of knows of what he should do he knows something at least yeah yeah but like i mean that i i doubt the academy preps you for like adequately for being a cop Right. right i think a lot of it is like real-time street job yeah. experience yeah it's probably like college like you can do all the book work but mm-hmm. until you like get out into the real world it's like oh yeah okay this is what i went to school for yeah 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 uh so Voight rolls up and Voight's like why the fuck am i here like leave me alone open and shut but it's not open and shut because the murder weapon is some fancy schmancy big time gun and the serial number popped as part of this big giant batch of guns that was stolen from Indiana. So like the weapon is a hot commodity. So Voight's like, cool, like we'll take it. Awesome. Uh, and so he like deploys the troops. He's like, go look into it, whatever. And we get it. We get a sweet little teeny bitty upset moment. It's so cute. Little bitty. Um, but yeah, Haley's just like, I like your buddy. And he's just like, yeah, well, the kid doesn't say much. And Haley's just like, well, I bet you were an open book when you started. And he, she just goes, I was like, I was. And she's like, mm-hmm, and just walks off like cute little married couple. I love this little moment. Like it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but like, it's really cute. It was everything that we needed for this episode, like just a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I got the yeah. one scene. I'm good. Okay, like you yeah. move on back now. Back to your regularly scheduled Jade programming. Like I'm yeah. good. The upset stands this episode were just like grasping for crumbs, and like I don't blame you at all. But like, yeah, it reminds me of Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Brian of the Love Colonel song. Yeah, it's like I will take yeah. what I can get. I will take what I can get. Absolutely. I mean, yep. I just kept focusing on Jay's ring the entire time. Like it was just out there, and I was like, you're just giving me all the more reason to just focus on that so yeah i'm definitely not someone who's like searching for it in every scene but when i see the rings i'm like oh yeah that happened this season they got married okay there were some fantastic tweets while this episode was airing talking about how like the ring is their new favorite character and i was like accurate (laughs) accurate yeah usually like if someone has their glove on another one doesn't and it's like you just always see it and on one of their hands perfect i love it and I, Jay, Jay wears it so proudly. It's not like he's like, he's not like an engaged woman flaunting his finger, but like, you know, it's just so prominent. It's like Jay's hand and ring. Like your eyes go yeah. right to it. So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, no matter what fucked up shit happens this season, we will always have the upstead marriage. Always. Always. Mm. Moment of zen. 
coming from PD, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) So they're back at the 21st. They have absolutely no real leads. So Ruzik brings in the guy from the robbery as a place to start. And I think this is like, you know how you have like the sisterhood of traveling pants? I think we've got the brotherhood of that blue flannel shirt. Cause like, (laughs) I think it started with Will and then like Jay borrowed it from Will and now Ruzik has it. And then I think at one point Voight wore it. And I know they're different. Gallo was wearing a blue plaid shirt last week too. It's just, yeah, it's brotherhood of the traveling blue plaid shirt. I was going to say has Atwater worn blue blue plaid? Probably. I don't think so. Maybe. Yeah. I knew Gallo was wearing it last week. (laughs) Oh, it's made its way to fire too. Yeah. I love how plaid has become such a signature look of like one Chicago in general. You're like, oh, I need to look like one Chicago character. I'll just throw on some plaid. Yeah. Like, very much. Yeah. Yeah. I wore a plaid shirt to work a couple of weeks ago and I like looked in the mirror and I was like, I guess I'm in my Haley Upton era. (laughs) Check this out. Like, (laughs) love it. So Jay leads Torres through what they need from the interrogation, who he got the gun from, all that stuff. And so Jay's just explaining it. He's like, the rules are in there. We can lie our asses off. We just can't make a promise that we can't keep. But when we get in there, it helps to talk in full sentences. We also got the return of sassy Jay this episode, which was like amazing. Because when he says it, he's like, and yeah, we when we get in there, it helps to talk in full sentences. And it's just like, oh, it's so funny. We got sassy Jay a lot. Like he was, it was it was a lot strong yeah 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 it was great though um i missed the whole part of full sentences oh it just clicked because he doesn't say anything now okay that just clicked (laughs) for me okay um yeah i recited that and i was like what the fuck does he mean oh that's (laughs) what he means yeah okay so it's Torres, of all people, who gets this guy to open up about who he got the gun from. Like, is this kid a savant? He's just like, go in for your first interrogation. And Torres just nails it. It was like he was there for three years and had been interrogating people all the time. Like, he like stood in the corner. It was like, okay, they must teach you that in the academy. Yeah, and, and that's interesting that you say that too, because the whole time this episode was going on with Torres, as we saw more scenes with him, the more in my head, I was just like, he just doesn't fit in with intelligence. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. He's not, he's not like that missing puzzle piece, but in certain aspects of the job, like you said, it's like, he'd been doing it for years. Yeah. So it's interesting weird. that you say that as the episode went on, that you thought he, it became more clear to you that he didn't fit in. Cause I don't necessarily know that I got the vibe. Of course, like, I think as the episode went on for me, I became a little more distrusting of him. Not necessarily that he doesn't fit in, but in this moment in the air interrogation, I was like, okay, like he could be an intelligence. Like yeah. I could see him in intelligence. I didn't feel it. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. So this guy opens up about who he got the gun from. He bought it from a Hispanic guy off the street, but he's not a match for the robber from Indiana. This is usually the point in the episode where I'm just like, no clue what's happening. Okay. Like, Got it. Jay looks pretty though. Um, so this guy goes by the name Piasso, and they find him in the database as Frank Olgin. If that's how I say the last name, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, but they decide to do a cover extraction on Frank since he resisted arrest the last time and boy, let's Jay lead it. 
Sergeant Halstead era, here we come. Yes, please. I really did appreciate the fact that, of course, that Voight was letting Jay lead things, but that like Voight also wasn't there while Jay was leading things. So like we got a lot less Voight in this episode. And I was like, oh, this is actually really enjoyable. Like not even just because we're getting like leader Jay, which of course we've all wanted for like 20 years at this point, but like seeing Voight not be, I don't know. It was just something really refreshing about it. I was like, oh, I could get used to this. Yeah, it gave us a glimpse of like when Voight isn't going to be there and Jay's like in charge. Of but Jay's so, Jay's so like naturally good at it yeah. Though, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, sure. and mentor Jay, like we have to point that out. We had mentor slash teacher Jay and that, that was everything that I ever wanted and more. Yeah. Yeah. We've really never good. seen that before, had we? No, I mean, you've seen maybe, I guess, like, occasionally times where Jay will, like, take someone under his wing for, like, a scene or something like that. But, like, Mm -hmm. not like, not like this. We haven't. Yeah. True. True. So Torres and Jay are in the car, and they're just kind of waiting for the right moment. And they have this kind of interesting conversation. And Torres is like, your boss, he trusts you, huh? And Jay's like, wait, yeah. Understatement of the year. Like, if only you knew, honey. (laughs) If only you knew. Uh, and Torres is like, does he always let you go solo? And Jay's like, for the most part, we've worked together a long time. We know each other. The secret to being good police is trust the people you work with. There is so much more context that like Torres does not know in the scene. Yeah. Ooh. It just yeah. really drives me up a wall that like for the first eight seasons, Jay was like, I don't know if I could trust you, Void. I don't know how I feel yeah. about you, yada, yada, yada. And then this year, Jay's just like done a 180 and now all of a sudden trust Void, but whatever. I will just die on that hill, I guess. But anyway. Yeah, when but- he said that line, I was like, but have you trusted him? Like, yeah. are you still able to? I just don't know. I mean, I, I think I think if Haley hadn't been involved in the whole Roy thing, maybe he wouldn't still trust him. But I think the fact that Haley was involved kind of changed the game and jay just had to trust him to make things okay yeah i don't know i still don't believe that but that's like i said that's a different conversation i'm just gonna die on that hill this year but anyway (laughs) i mean we know that pd has issues with continuity so it could very well be that but i would think they would remember if he can and cannot trust Floyd. so (laughs) you never know on the show You never know. Uh, yeah, so they move on Frank. They bring him in for questioning, but he tries to play dumb. He finally claims that he had only bought six of the guns and sold one of those six, not all 90 of them that had been stolen. Casual, not all 90. 90. Yeah. 90. No big deal. As one does, just normal Tuesday, you know. Wednesday. Dead strippers in the closet, driving cars into grocery stores, 90 guns in the corner, just a bunch of things. Yeah. Casual. That's what it does. Yeah. So Frank claims that he doesn't know a name or face. He just gets the same instructions to park under a bridge, leave the cash in the car, go to the corner store. And then when he comes back, there's guns in the trunk. Normal, transactional, everyday business. I just want to know how you get involved in this. Like, how do you get the message? Like, hey, this is how we're going to do this deal. Like the first time he like starts doing this deal with it. Like, how do you get it from like, Okay, you're going to leave the cash in the car. You're going to go to the corner short. Like, it's just so weird. Yeah. 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 So they start running through potential options and they hit on a storage unit around the corner because one of them is rented out by a fake name and paid in cash. Not sketchy at all. Totally yeah. normal. 
So like, obviously that must be where they're stored. So while they're going through this and laying out these details, Jay notices Torres being distracted by his phone, which like, honestly, Torres, like same, that's all of us on one Chicago Wednesday when they're giving backstory like this, we're all just like, anybody know what's going on? No. Okay, good. Just checking. So yeah, ask him what's up. And Torres is like, it's just parking ticket issues with the city. And Jay believes it. Yeah. He like, it's suspicious, but he does believe it. Honey. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. He's been a cop for how long? At least a decade in intelligence, he said. So Mm -hmm. are you still believing that? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, okay, go take care of it. We'll meet you at the storage unit. Well, Torres doesn't show up at the storage unit. So they roll without him. Um, and Ruzik is just like, yeah, like you get a year to deal with your tickets. Like, what the hell? And Jay is just like super suspicious. How did you not know that, Jay? I guess because Jay's never gotten a ticket. Yeah, Jay strikes me as that type. Also, when Ruzik's like, oh, yeah, I wrapped up a bunch of parking tickets. I'm like, why does that not surprise me? Right. And, and, well, not and then even in the least bit. Kevin's like, well, of course, it took you the whole year to pay him off or whatever. Yeah. Like you used it till every last day. And I'm like, that also does not surprise me. Yeah. No. Not at all. Not at all. Adam definitely got his car towed a couple times. I'm like, yeah. yeah. He probably bugged Trudy a lot too about his parking ticket. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, yeah. And then they get to the storage unit and it's completely empty. So hmm. I don't know. So according to footage, they cleared out the unit a couple of hours early because they knew PD was coming. But How? And this is where shit gets real juicy. Okay, so Torres' supervisor shows up to see Voight and Jay. And now he's like, oh, BT dubs, some local gang got somebody into the academy. Of all the people to lie by omission to, you're really going to do that to Hank Voight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, of course, he's like, well, that was level three intel. Like, we didn't think you needed to know. It's like, really? Really? You're bringing your guy in. You're bringing him into the unit, but no, it's super classified. Like, no. Into one of the most elite units too. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I feel like anybody who like lies to Void or withholds information from Void, they've they've got a death wish. Just straight up. Like, death wish. I just don't understand. Even I would like not do that. I just don't understand how someone thought that was like not important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. So yeah. So now of course, Torres has gone from like new recruit to suspect. Cool. So the supervisor leaves and Jay mentions to Voight and Trudy that he had noticed Torres had burned off some of his tattoos. I didn't know you could do that. Like, yeah, not even have them removed, burned off. You can do that. I guess anything's possible, but I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to Google it. Can you oh, no, burn? don't do oh, it. God. Don't do it. God. Why? Do you Let's know why? Um, oh, 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 okay. For very first thing, it says, um, because tattoos dull or disappear completely when they're burned, some people might think burning is a cheap and easy way to get rid of an unwanted tattoo. In bold, it says, don't attempt to do this. <laughs> so, yeah. I, Okay. Trust me, I'm not getting tattoos, but even if I did, I would not be burning them off. Yeah. Damn, this one's to remove a tattoo with heat. You'd need to apply enough heat to burn away the epidermis and cause third degree burns to the dermis layer. Ow. 
No, thank you. But I, I, I guess like if you were in a gang and they're gang tattoos, like why couldn't, well, okay. If you're in a gang and they're gang tattoos, tattoo removal is very expensive though. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's painful, but I imagine burning yourself and giving yourself third degree burns is like, it's also painful. Yeah. But like, there's gotta be someone that would remove gang tattoos, at least like for a discount or something. Yeah, somebody could start a whole someone that he could have went to. Somebody could start a whole business off that. Yeah. I mean, there's gotta be someone that he could have went to for that. Can burn off a tattoo with a hot spoon, something similar. Ah. You know, stop looking. You're gonna get ads or something for it. (laughs) Yeah, I totally have. (laughs) That's true. I'll be sure to screenshot and send that your way when that happens. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he confirms with Trudy what Ruzik said about the parking tickets. And he's like, I, I don't have a read on this kid yet. Um, so Jay's like, I mean, he's hard. It doesn't mean he's a gangbanger. And it doesn't mean he deserves to have his career kicked in the knees. Good job, Jay. Good job. Um, but Voight says, Voight's like, well, I'll tell you one thing. The chief is going to want to have a trophy that he can parade in front of the media. You can definitely believe that. So, um, Good that Jay's starting off giving this kid the benefit of the doubt. He he handles that well, for sure. So, and then he goes to meet with Anna. Why are you looking at your own people? Believe me, I wish I wasn't. It'd be a lot more fun than what Void has me doing right now, so. Sure. You doing okay? What your handlers got you doing? It's running cash. It should be easy. Doesn't mean it is. Okay. I thought this was interesting. I didn't think, I thought for sure, because it was, you know, in the credits or whatever that Anna was popping up in this episode. So it was kind of knew it was coming. But to see her not interact with Voight, but to see her interact with Jay and like to see kind of Jay forming some sort of attachment or care for her on some level and like she's kind of forming one for him not in like a romantic way of course but like some sort of like there's some sort of care level there between them and I don't know I thought this was really interesting same I thought it was interesting to see how the tables have turned a little bit I didn't like it I didn't like it I was like stop bonding stop it Um, well I think it's just gonna make I think but I think not necessarily that I didn't like it, but I think that's the point, right? Like they're going to be bonded. And then as we can't go into these last couple episodes and we see kind of the Anna Scano whole situation have its fallout, like Jay's also going to be affected too, because now he does have some sort of attachment or whatever bond with Anna. Oh no, we're going to circle back to the first half of the season and it's going to be a Voight and Jay butting heads cliffhanger, isn't it? I hope not, but damn it. Right when we thought we were in the clear. It would not surprise me. Leave Jay out of this. (laughs) It was nice to see like Jay kind of trust Anna a little bit more though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Bryna or Jen, one of you take it from here. I'll take it. No, go ahead. I got it, Jennifer. Don't worry about it. Um, so 
back at the 21st, they have the gun robber's truck pinned to like a specific location, like by an underground parking garage. So they go like check out the different structures that make up the garage. And Jay notices like Torres messing with his jacket sleeve and like clearly trying to cover up his burnt off tattoos. And Torres doesn't really answer Jay's questions and he gets a little short with him. Um, and he's like, Jay finally just like lays it all out. He's like, look, man, like anyone can kick in a door and shoot a gun. He's like, that's not really the job. He's like, I'm not trying to climb in your head. He's like, but I do have the right to know whether or not I can trust you. He's like, that gives me the best chance of making it home at night. Sassy Jay. Yeah. But also like, I think, you know, Jay has a point, right? Like he's not saying we have to be like best friends. He's like, I'm not trying to pry into like every aspect of your life. But I do have the right to know, you know, whether or not I can trust you. Like, there has to be some sort of bond there. And I think it is interesting, too. And I'm literally just thinking about this. So I'm, like, kind of speaking off the cuff because I haven't thought about it up until now. But it is kind of interesting parallel, right? To Like, now he's saying this to Torres about the job. But we've kind of seen him get to that point. Like, that's kind of how he was with Anna in the beginning, Right. Like he didn't trust Anna. He did, you know, he was trying to maybe get to know her, you know, poke around in that situation. He didn't really believe her. And now he's gotten to that point with her where he can like trust her. They're not BFFs or anything. Nobody's saying that. They don't have that kind of bond. But he has gotten to the point where he could trust her a little bit. Um, So I just, I think that parallel is interesting too, especially given the fact that we just came from an Anna scene, Anna J scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Torres notices the truck when they get into their structure, um, and the guy comes out to the truck and like, of course, then we get this like chase scene because it's PD. We can't not, we have to have a chase scene. Um, and they go into the bathroom and all of a sudden, um, Torres like feels like a draft. He feels like a breeze and turns out the mirror is not actually a mirror it is some secret passageway so the guy is on the other side of the mirror and starts shooting at them and i thought this was interesting because like i had jennifer had i don't know how much time you spend on tiktok but i had not seen these viral tiktoks that were going around that this is like actually based off of no i try not to spend a lot of time on tiktok but i had seen your guys's quote tweet about it and like seeing it in the rookie and I was like it kind of was that way in the rookie but there was no gunshots and like it was more so a like someone was like living in the walls so but now I don't watch TikTok a whole lot so yeah I had no idea that it was like that that TikTok was a thing but apparently it's a very well-known thing because that's what it was based off of just crazy that's terrifying it's really terrifying New fear unlocked. Yeah. One Chicago gave us an, a bunch of new fe- fears last night. <laughs> yeah, for real. Two things set in a grocery store. I mean, apart, secret mirrors, like, no, thank you. Um, so it turns out the apartment is registered to a guy named, like, Edgar Batista, and he's a career criminal. So they've kind of figured out that, like, he's the guy. Uh, Jay also catches Torres, like, staring at a picture on the wall, but he doesn't really say anything. Um, which I think I didn't catch that the first time, but then when I was rewatching, I was like, oh, okay. So Anna calls Jay and she tells him what she knows. She's like, listen, this is what I was able to find out. Taurus almost killed a dude, like put him in a wheelchair. And that's like what he went to jail for. 
Um, she's like, I couldn't find who it was or if it was gang related, but like, she's like, I didn't want to, you know, start asking too many questions and have people get suspicious. But she's like, it didn't sound good. She's like, it didn't sound like something, you know, a cop should be able to do. And Jay actually goes so far. And I thought this was interesting too. He like asked her how she would handle it. If like, you know, she was in his position and she's like, listen, like, you know, you can only keep your guard up for so long. She's like, find Taurus when he thinks he's alone. Because that's when you'll be able to like break him basically. Which I just, I thought it was interesting that he went so far as to like ask her like her thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Again, when just, I was kind of like, oh, he's trusting her a little bit. Like yeah. he's able to kind of see what Voight might see in her, but not totally. Yeah. So later that night, Jay follows Taurus home. And then the next day they have this like big confrontation in the parking lot at the district. All right. Did you tip off Batista that we found his storage unit? What did you say? There's a leak. Yeah. Why the hell would I be Back leak? up. You're the only new factor in this whole thing. I don't know you. You made it damn clear you don't want me to. It's a fair question. No, it's not. You want to hit me? Do it. Do it. I didn't tip off anybody. I live where I grew up with my mom, and I like it there. And I didn't put it on the forms because I thought it wouldn't sit well with my fellow police. Imagine that. never tip off anything. Go home. Take the rest of the day. Get yourself together. I thought, first of all, I thought we really, I thought we were good. I don't necessarily know if I thought we were going to get into like a hit punch territory, but I definitely thought it was going to get more physical, I guess, than it did. Um, But I also thought it was interesting. I, Jay kind of came off like a little judgy in this moment to me. I don't know if anyone else took it like that, but I thought Jay came off like a little judgy in this. Um, I mean, I think he could have approached it a little more delicately. Yeah. But also it's Jay. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like he was kind of dumb playing Mr. Nice Guy here. Like he was trying to be... I feel like fair and not so judgy in the beginning. And then after so long, he had had enough of it and was like, no, like I'm not going to sit here and deal with it. But yeah, I feel like he could have done it a little bit more delicately. Yeah, for sure. Like I, and maybe like I said, I definitely think it came off judgy, but yeah, I definitely agree. He could have definitely just approached it differently. I was just, it is Jay, but at the same time, it kind of felt unlike J2 at the same time to just kind of like get so in this guy's face, especially when he is still a newbie. I get it. He's like very suspicious of him and he's done some bad things. Like I get it, but like still, it just felt unlike J2 at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jay goes up to the bullpen because obviously, of course, now he sent Taurus home for the day. Jay goes up to the bullpen and they basically like, he gets filled in. There's a potential sale going down that tells a hell of a lot like this guy, Batista. So Voight tells him that he's like, well, we need a Latino undercover. So you're going back. Go get Torres, like bring him back. He's going undercover. 
I like Jay's hesitant, of course, to use him, but like basically if they don't, and then the chief supervisor guy reads it, like based Jay, even though Jay hasn't officially made the choice to end Torres's career, he basically ends Torres's career. So he really has no choice but to use him. So they end up using Torres and they, you know, he does the buy, but Batista ends up recognize him and he's like, oh, you're Berto's kid. And he's like, step kid. And, and so then everyone else, like, you know, cause they're all listening in the cars. Everyone's like, wait, what? Like, who is Berto? Like, what is going on here? Like, what is happening? So he's, and then Batista's like, oh, well you ran, like I ran into Berto the other day. He's still in a wheelchair. He's like, you messed him up. Good. So obviously the stepfather is who Anna was referencing earlier about the wheelchair. And so it's like, oh shit. It's like, this is maybe more serious than I thought it was. So Jay told him, like, you know, Ruzik's like in the car. He's like, should we go in? Like, what do we do? What do we do? And Jay's because Jay is running point again. And again, no void in sight. Love to see it. <laughs> Love to see it. I've um, seen Jay run point on like stakeouts a few times this season. Yeah. But nothing like this, though. This was like Jay on his own. He like Jay yeah. literally pretty much ran this whole thing. Yeah. And I loved it. Um, but Jay's like, okay, well, like, be ready to go in, but we're going to let it play for now. And then basically, like, a few seconds later, they see Batista pull the gun, and Jay's like, no, no, no. He's like, we're going. So he's Jay's really pissed at Taurus, though, for lying about the Batista, like, knowing Batista thing. So he tells Taurus to stay put, but of course, Taurus doesn't listen yet again. And um, again, it ultimately ends up working out in the favor, though, because Taurus is the one that, like, corners batista and ends up shooting him so it works out but again jay is just pissed um okay but wait 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 wait. this kid's been in the academy for five minutes and he's already shooting somebody that has been his first kill right i'm assuming so we're just gonna kind of but i kind of carry on i think it's a little i think the implication is though with torres is that like he's seen shit obviously yeah. pre-academy so like well yes obviously your first kill is i'm sure something that's very impactful for everyone and obviously impacts them differently i think the idea is that it's not maybe as big of a deal to Taurus because of all of the stuff he went through pre-academy and mm-hmm. like obviously he was i mean he was in juvie like you know like he's seen he's seen shit like it doesn't isn't as bothersome to him as it would be like some fresh newbie who's never seen you know real crime before yeah it's not like he would have been like ruzak right out of the academy yeah um but i mean even when like he held the hand of that guy in the grocery store and the guy like died you know you could kind of see that it shook him a little bit but he was also like okay we have more used to it yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. so the episode ends with a good old locker room confrontation between jay and torres Oh man, there's a lot to unpack in this whole thing. I thought it was, first of all, the first thing that just, I thought this felt very unfinished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I don't know if the plan is to see him again or not, but I feel like this feels very, on both sides, on the Torres side and on the J side, this storyline feels very unfinished. Yeah. Um, I 
I feel like we're not going to see him again, but that probably means that he's going to like stick around and be a regular. Um, yeah. But you okay? So, but so you said that as the episode went on, that you were not into Torres and you don't think he would fit in. So you don't want to see him back again. Uh, okay, so that very last line that he laid on Jay when he said that and went to credits, I was like, wait a second, you, I want to know more about that. Like, tell me more about that. But based off of the like preceding 42 minutes or however long we had up until that moment, I just didn't see the chemistry. I didn't really see him fitting in with the team. Now, I still don't see that, but I want to know more about that. Like, so what about seeing him on like the troll being a beat cop with Trudy? I mean, okay, well, maybe. Because then he could maybe. still look up to Jay, you know, and like kind of help out with intelligence maybe here and there, but he would be in patrol. Look, if anybody new is going to come into this unit or this show, the only person I want to see is Zora Scott. Like, yeah, we talked yeah. about it a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, that's all I want. Now, granted, maybe if they wanted to put Torres on the beat and make Zora his partner, right. hell yeah. yeah. But that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of Torres, like, I agree. I don't necessarily think I saw the chemistry between them as a, like, him fitting in as a regular. I do think I would like to see him back and, like, for an arc and, like, finish this storyline. So, like I said, it just feels so unfinished like he says to jay at one point like at the, his last thing he says to jay he's like you know i'm not an idiot i know who you are what does that mean you know who you are like is that yeah. mean you know something personally about him you know what kind of cop he is like what does that mean like i i just i don't know i just feel like there's more there that i want to know like i said i thought this last scene was really intriguing and i definitely feel like taurus isn't of course like a bad guy but like I don't know. I would like to see more. I don't think he is series regular material personally, but because yeah. I agree, I don't think the chemistry is there, but give me the arc. I need him to like finish out this arc. Yeah. But um, Jennifer, what did you think? Um. Yeah, I thought that it seemed unfinished too. And just the way that it ended, I was like, okay, so you see Jake kind of like really thinking about it and processing what he said last like is that ever going to come up again probably not like he'll never bring that up to Haley or ever talk about it but it would be interesting to see maybe him and Trudy kind of talk about it and I'm sure that it's like on the cutting room floor of her you know asking like how Taurus's day went or like you know what happened or like anything like that but we're never going to see that so I don't know I feel like this will probably just be like a one and done and we're never gonna get any more closure to it. Yeah. I think also the actor has been in like not in Chicago. So I don't think we're getting more. And obviously, of course, like I said, we only have four episodes left in the season. And it's very clear we're getting a very a lot of Anna stuff coming down the pipeline. So I doubt we're getting him again. But I like I said, I would like to see him maybe for an arc. I don't need him to be a regular, but I would like to see him maybe for an arc um someone did say that he was on pd before too he was franco shavaro in what is that just some in some like built random villain yeah i think so hmm. yeah wolf definitely likes to like if they like you they definitely like mm-hmm. to reuse you in different projects and you know yeah it's, sure. it's interesting that he was a villain in pd like three years ago and came back as a cop this time but 
Well, that's like Brian. E. He was the villain PD, yeah. and now he's a doctor on med. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and Guy Lockard. Yeah. 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 Um, but of course we got listener thoughts on this. So Megan R said this episode showed that Jay is more than ready to be a sergeant when the time comes, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, also this episode kind of felt like vintage PD a little bit and I loved it. Yeah, definitely yeah. ready for Sergeant Jay. Anytime yeah. now. Yes, please, please, please. Um, Heather B said this episode felt a bit unfinished, but hopefully we see more of Torres. Jay didn't get a read on him, but he definitely knew who Jay was from the word go. And I like his backstory. He's different, but also has enough in common with other intelligence members to eventually connect with them. Anna showing up to help Jay also gave off early Voight and his CI vibes to me, though I'm still kind of worried about how that relationship is going to end with Jay being invested and obviously coming around to him a little too. This is the first time I believe she can make it past the Siscano storyline and become their go-to CI, which we haven't had in a while. But I'm still not holding my breath for her to make it past the season or to not get herself into a situation where Voight and or Jay is put in danger trying to save her. No, no, please. No, no, no. I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't know if I believe that Anna's going to make it pat, like stay alive. I, I'm not there yet. Um, But yeah, I definitely think that a lot of the tension going forward is going to be Voight and Jay butting heads again because now Jay's invested in Anna and he's not going to agree with what Voight does and you know with her and yada 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 like that's definitely going to be a big part of it I'm sure I do hope that they don't kill her off but I'm also like well it's PD cliffhanger and she's a CI so I feel like it's kind of just gonna happen it's also an odd season I mean granted you can't count last year or the last two years really because of covid but the pattern stands is that an odd season someone dies so yeah yeah um but heather did go on to say she this is one of the first episodes where i where we focus on almost solely one character that i didn't feel like we lost the rest of the team they definitely weren't present but something about the camera work and lighting made it feel different it was kind of like a jay was still existing within the team just being highlighted instead of actually being completely separated even if he wasn't with an actual member of intelligence for most of the episode if that makes sense his little moments with Haley and his scenes that included boy and platt helped with the balance that sometimes feels off during focused episodes I did notice that we got Jay and Kim looking at each other, like here and there. Jake and Jake, Kate? Like, yeah. Okay, yeah, we got some Jake and Kate moments, but that was like not interactions, not them talking, but. Yeah, I definitely, I, I can agree with Heather to a certain extent. Like, I definitely think the little moments with Haley and like him interacting with Voight and Platt definitely helped with the balance a little bit. I still feel like, was Adam even in this episode though? Like. I feel like I, I think I so we saw Ruzik like one time. I don't know. I yeah. did like seeing Upset and Ruzwater go to check at that storage unit, though. I yeah. like seeing that for some. Yeah, that was fun. But like I said, I don't know. I like I, I agree with Heather to a certain extent, but like that's just the new norm of PD that like you know you're gonna get some focus yeah. on some and not you know it is what it is. Um. But then we also got one last comment. Jen just asked, how do you see the storyline with Anna playing out? I don't, well, I, I still think she's going to die. 
But I also wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the switcheroo on us and were like, surprise, you thought she was going to die, but you were wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I definitely think we're going to see a lot more tension between uh, Jay and Voight in regards to Anna leading up to the last little bit. I do think Anna's going to die. I feel like the foreshadowing's been on the wall for that for a little bit. But I also, if they decide not to go that route, it wouldn't surprise me either. Like, I also, I think- like, am I the only one that doesn't hate this Anna storyline? Like, I don't mind it. I mean, it's with Voight, which is odd, but I don't really mind it. I don't hate Anna and like I don't hate you know what but it's just I don't know I just there's sometimes I definitely Voight episodes seem the most dry to me and so oh, yeah. because it's associated with Voight it's just kind of like uh eh, okay it's okay yeah yeah, yeah I, feel no. pretty, I feel pretty meh about it like I like Anna as a character though I mean she's mm-hmm. got balls to do what she's doing especially with the sun um yeah and she's motivated by the right things right she just wants to you know make it a good place for her son to grow up and she wants to kick ass but yeah i'm kind of mad about it i'm just like eh. yeah i think I there's know. also i think too it depends on how it ends right like what is the payoff like so i think once the season is over then i can reevaluate it and maybe i'll feel differently about it right now especially because it's just kind of like spread out in but you know with other episodes in between it's kind of it's like it's uh it's okay but like, I feel like now, especially because the last couple episodes, I'm sure will be just like all Voight, Anna, Jay, whatever. Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe I'll feel a little bit differently once the season's over and I can reevaluate the whole arc versus just like the little bit we've gotten so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like Anna, but I don't like that she's tied in with Voight and just how he is with her. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, and notes on pd was that what you were gonna say Brenda? yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say um no i mean good up ep- really good episode i'd love a good j episode though so yeah same same all right well that is about all we've got for tonight uh jennifer thank you so much for for pinch hitting here and filling in and just kind of joining us tonight. thank you so much yeah thanks for having me it was a lot of fun always a lifesaver so i think everybody knows where they can find you but just in case they don't tell them again where can we find you yes so i'm on twitter at the at jstark 804 and you host a podcast yes i do on the rookie um you can find us at the shop talk pod underscore um and you know we just talk about everything chenford and john nolan there so and john nolan occasionally and yeah. again, and we'll have to. Yeah. Yes, Gina, you oh, have yes. to catch up. Yeah. You have to catch up. I know. I'm like way behind. Way the behind. The last uh, episode, like, is everything that we yeah. ever needed. So, yeah. 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 So, we will definitely talk the rookie feels with you, but we will also immediately like send you over to our rookie expert, which is Jennifer. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely check out that podcast for sure. Um, yeah. So, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Email us about anything, anytime. Seriously. Seriously, seriously. Um, it can be about other TV shows. It can be about other stuff, life topics, whatever you want. Um, I'm binging Yellowstone right now and I'm obsessed. It's so good. But Brad can get into it and I'm really sad about that. But you tried. <laughs> 
So I did try. It was boring, but I tried. What are you what are you watching right now, Brenna? Um, I'm not binging anything necessarily. I mean, I'm caught up on well, I have to watch this week's Moon Knight, but like I've caught up on like 911 and Lone Star and um I still yeah, just like all my normal shows, you know, Station 19. Station 19 was really good last week. 911 was really good this week, you know, just normal stuff. Normal stuff. Jennifer, what about you? Um, I am currently binging two broke girls. Don't know why. Just started watching a few episodes. I'm like, okay, I low-key love this. Um, and that's kind of gotten me behind on all of my other shows. So I've slacked on 911, Lone Star in particular. Um, good trouble. This is us. I'm watching pretty much everything that's on like cable. So yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I've been seeing the articles about this is us, but I'm I'm in the minority with that show in that I hate it. Um so yeah, I, I yeah, but I, I always tend to know what's up. It's like kind of mm. the kind of the same with Gray's like it's been going on for a million seasons. I haven't watched it in a solid 10 years, but I always know what's happening. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, we watch other shows is the moral of the story. So you can talk to us about that. You can talk to us about anything. We're around. So um, check out our Tea Public store. We're working on some new stuff. Um, life is crazy. So, you know, once life comes down, then we'll get that going. But we're working on new stuff. Um, what else? What am I missing? Normal schedule going ahead. Um, as long as there's new episodes of the show, there's new episodes of the pod. And yeah, I think that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, once again, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. We love you. Thank you for joining. Um, And in in the, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Um, What's like the, what's the one Chicago like specific warning of the week? Um, Don't no. I was going to say, don't drive a car into your local grocery store. That's not a good one. Um, Keep your eyes peeled in the grocery store. Keep your eyes peeled at the grocery store. There we go. Bingo. Perfect. And always beware of dead strippers in your closet. Um, Yeah. So that's about all we've got. You guys have a good weekend. We will see you next week. Bye.